For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. A little consolation, of course, the weather to the ninefold increase in people who are needing extra help making welfare claims for additional needs and payments to meet exceptional and urgent expenses. And it's almost trebled in Cork in the last year. It's a front pager making the echo today. In fact, they're saying there's been a ninefold increase uh, needed in the help to buy things like Just Clothes. Uh, and I suppose it's connected to this then when you hear of more of the energy uh, suppliers and companies from those who get it out of the ground or out of the sea or under the ground, whatever the case may be, and into the pipes and into your homes, their profits continue to absolutely rocket. And we talk of billions uh, through uh, the last 12 months. And while all that's happening, of course, and people struggle to make ends meet, uh, the Green Party could be deemed to be, um, you know, uh, risky when it comes to your welfare because the Greens plan to block any proposed €200 Euro energy credit this summer. There are three signed off on. I don't. I, can't, I think two have been paid. Is is maybe January, February is perhaps the, the third 200, but there was talk about a fourth. But the Green Party, who have um, a role in coalition, obviously, uh, they want this new cost of living package um, to be um, for... Uh, well, well shelved, whereas the rest of the coalition wanted to drive on. But the Greens will seek to block the introduction of a fourth uh, electricity credit this summer. Um, there's talks about the new cost of living package going on at the moment in the appended lead with that. Greens planning to block the €200 Euro energy credit. It doesn't make any sense to me why you wouldn't want to help people who need it most at a time when uh, they need it most. Um, there's a lot of stuff then with regards to law and order and crime on Lee side, unfortunately. Uh, and it uh, it goes to show uh, that it's only going from bad to worse. There's a very, very, it's a kind of a sad story um, because it tells you the story of a man uh, called Trevor Hegarty who really has had a very, very tough life. In court, the judge referred to his chronic addictions, uh, to his chaotic lifestyle, to his very high risk of reoffending, and the fact that uh, he had all sorts of significant adversity in his childhood, and then uh, homelessness, and then addictions. So you can see where this is going. You can see somebody who never, ever really got a chance in life, but perhaps at the age of 27 is not too late. But he burgled an apartment in Cork in the early hours of the morning, and when he was confronted by the householder, and that's why the headline in the court reports this morning quote what he said to the homeowner when he was burgling. He said, uh, did you order pizza? Uh, well, he got a three and a half year prison sentence with the last 12 months suspended. Uh, it's just a sad story all round, really, you know. It really and truly is awful to have your house burgled, of course, and thank God there was no injuries or anybody was nobody was hurt. He was found a little later on sitting up on a parked digger. Uh, chaotic life though and uh, you know it's it's very sad you would think at the age of 27 that hopefully at some stage he'll get to turn his life around and have a long happy and healthy life I don't know then there's a 35 year old man who robbed a, a man of a small amount of cash now the man who was robbed was described as a vulnerable man he was making his way to church in Cork in the middle of the day so the 35 year old that robbed him a guy called Kelleher from Mayfield he um, got 18 months um, and the misfortunate man had 20 euro taken from him at St. Augustine's Church in March of 2020. Now, he's got a co-accused, a woman who's due to be sentenced in April. And it's alleged that uh, she asked this gentleman uh, for some change. Um, and he was particularly vulnerable with learning difficulties. And he had intellect- the intellectual capacity of a young teenager, the poor lad who was robbed, he went to give her some coins. And then she goes, uh, and then the co-accused took 20 euro from his pocket um, 
from the man's pocket and then she pulls uh, aggressively uh, at all his belongings and his bag and everything falls to the ground and what's made worse then is the allegations that the injured party was then kicked and punched by both of the accused I mean like this is going to mass in St. Augustine's church and then you got to wonder what the guards have to put up with and people working in shops inside in the city his drunk goes into the shop and starts abusing and this is in the courts as well it's such a waste of court time but maybe that's maybe that's why we have courts so this drunken guy calls the shop assistant an effing bitch then he spits at a guard in the city centre um, and this is over Christmas time but I called Cooney from Cove and pleaded guilty at Cork District Court uh, it's like you could be all day just talking about court reports and stuff going on in the city it just is going to rack and ruin not the bricks and mortar or the shops or the establishments but an awful lot of the people that are going into the, into the city oh, there's other news though because the RTE wage packets have come out and uh, Ray Darcy has taken a pay cut of 145,000 euros it's some, it's some slice off the pay packet isn't it going from 450 grand to 305,000 uh, but the big winner in the RTE pay scales is Claire Byrne now the number her salary probably will drop for 2023 because she's given up television but Ryan Tuberty still is the highest earner uh, in RTE they've just released the figures and of course people are kind of scrutinising the figures of course because this is all paid for by taxpayers money and RTE are said to be in trouble financially for years and years and people are criticising the high salaries but you know, it is what it is. Ryan Tuberty at four hundred and forty thousand euro. Joe Duffy coming in second at three hundred and fifty-one. Claire Byrne at three hundred and fifty. Um, so it's almost like the runners and riders in a race, isn't it? Then Ray Darcy down to fourth, and Mary Miriam O'Callaghan uh, at fifth. So three men and two women in the, in the in the top five. If you added all of the salaries up between the top five. You're talking about close enough on, on two million, as the fellow says. Uh, of course, many would criticise that kind of money uh, for a public authority uh, business or um, outfit like uh, RTE, but there you have it nonetheless. Meanwhile, um, if you thought that the state were going to get away with covering all of these cases, covering up all of these cases and not aiming to pay out to medical card holders who ended up being... Um, having to, let me put it nicely, having to pay for their own care in nursing homes or indeed their families had to pay. There could be anything up to a hundred different legal cases in the pipeline. And already uh, so far, the total payout is 480 million and counting. Uh, I don't know, it's awfully sad that the state constantly, and a lot of the time it's the HSE in medical negligence cases, is paying out millions and millions and millions and millions in compensation. And then there's a more compensation that could be coming down the track and it's an Afghan asylum seeker. It's a front page story making the examiner today. He's taken the state to the high court um, over its inability to provide him with emergency accommodation. Uh, and he's uh, he's talking about how he's been attacked, robbed and racially abused while sleeping rough on the streets and he says that his rights are being breached. So it's an Afghanistan a man from Afghanistan who can't be identified claims as I say verbally and physically attacked, robbed and racially abused while sleeping rough and he came here on January 30th under the International Protection Order uh, and he was given a 25 euro voucher which he says he spent on blankets and a pillow and that was it. And he says he's been using various homeless services to source food ever since then. But he's taken it to the High Court. 
because his human rights are being breached apparently and then the rights of everybody to do as they please particularly with regards to their gender is a front page making the mail today uh, and there is a very senior uh, doctor a consultant actually uh, with the national uh, in, he's talking in the front of this morning's mail who's saying that um, we need to scrap the plan to let teenagers change their gender that the law allowing 16 year olds to self-identify without parental consent uh, is going to be a big issue uh, down the track. It's a very lengthy story, actually. It's on the front and the inside pages of this morning's uh, mail. The papers also uh, visit Temple Bar, where apparently, and there's proof of it because there's a receipt on the front of this morning's mirror, where a pint of Heineken will cost you €9.95. It's a tenner. So in Temple Bar, if that's your thing, fair enough. None of my concern. You wouldn't find me if it was the last place on the planet uh, you wouldn't find me in Temple Bar. Uh, but the pubs up there are absolutely coining it and are being slammed. Not that I've, not that they'll ever listen or do anything about the prices. They're being slammed for their crazy prices. Nine ninety five for a pint of uh, Heineken. Um, there's a lot of alcohol-related stories. One or two of them is quite alarming. Like the inside pages of The Independent today pick up on a Telegraph story that says drinking wine in the weeks before getting pregnant can cause changes to your baby's face. Not if not drinking a glass of wine a few times a week if you're pregnant, but even before you get pregnant. Now, that's quite alarming. Uh, and it must be very worrying and frightening for somebody to hear that. But apparently this is what scientists are doing. And they've been using, for many years now, 3D images of babies' faces um, in the womb and afterwards. And they have found, and they're claiming, uh, that the children exposed to alcohol in the womb more likely to have turned up nose tips, shortened noses, turned out chins, and turned in lower eyelids. That's, I mean, I don't know. These kind of research, this research and these surveys, they should come with a warning. There's another one, actually, that talks uh, about baby milk formula, uh, where they're saying that scientists are saying the international team have been looking at baby milk formulas for years, and they're saying that all of the different claims that baby milk formulas are making aren't actually supported, in fact, by any evidence. And they run the risk then of undermining the importance and the nutrition of breastfeeding. So that's the story from this morning's Times UK. And the only other wine story actually has to do with Mick Wallace, who's been earning €499 a month. uh, And it's undeclared. Um, It's an undeclared position, apparently, as they say. Politicians have to declare all income. Uh, And it has to do with the chain of wine bars and restaurants that he has been... uh, consulting and advising. So he's in a bit of hot water there with that one. I don't know whether he'll survive it or not, but there's a lot of grief even at a European Union level. And Raquel Welsh has died at the age of 82. Um, I think she she was a sex siren and a stunningly beautiful woman, but I don't think that she embraced that kind of title easily. And all of the papers talk of the life and times of Raquel Welsh on the inside pages today, um, broadsheets and uh, indeed, the uh, the tabloids and there's an incredible, <laughs> an incredible story making the mirror. It's a lottery win in California. In America, they have lotteries all over the different states. They're called Powerball draws, and sometimes the amounts are eye-wateringly high, like forty and fifty million dollars. Uh, have you got your seatbelt on? This guy won one point nine billion. One point nine billion. Uh, he said. He's in ecstasy. Well, you kind of would be, wouldn't you? In ecstasy. You're never going to spend that. He might be able to waste it and 
shock and bad investments or something but you like if you just took on a full-time job and tried to spend 1.9 billion you couldn't do it but the interesting thing about this lottery win of 1.9 billion it's so high that it automatically triggers a payout to the school systems of California so out of his 1.9 billion he's got to give 146 million to schools all over California and I tell you one thing he's probably very happy to do it because it still leaves him with the right chunk of change and I was talking about formulas whether it's baby formulas or algorithms a while ago there is another one now um, for the um, working out what is the happiest song or the happiest tune of all time I won't bore you with the maths but they've come up with the top 10 happiest sunniest songs hopefully we'll be playing those across the spring and into the summer but the number one actually the number one is a band that for years and years and years of course would have been associated with sunshine with beach with the west coast of America and with surfing you know who I'm talking about I'm picking up Top 10 of the sunniest songs um, has the Beach Boys with good vibrations at number one. James Brown, you know the one, I feel good at number two. House of Fun Be Madness at three. Get the party started from Pink. Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. I absolutely abhor that song. Oh. Sunny Shining by Bob Marley. Surely there would be better Marley songs. There's two from the Beach Boys in the top 10. I Get Around is the other one. Another. <laughs> Another appalling song, it was always appalling, was YMCA by the Village People. (laughs) And also, Waterloo. What a dull song, Waterloo. But September by Earth, Wind and Fire. If I could flip them, I'd put September at number one. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. It's going to be a busy morning this morning, so I want to clip on as fast as I can. One of the stories that I meant spent a little time on yesterday, uh, actually was talked about in the Red FM news bulletins, as well as the staff at JD Sports being told to lift up their tops as part of their search rule. There are already uh, search rules within JD Sports, and I'm quite sure other companies, but I, I can't for the life of me think that anyone else in retail would go to the extremes that JD Sports are going to. So much so that it um, raised the ire of Mick Barry TD, who raised it in the doll yesterday with the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar. Uh, he joins me by phone. Uh, Mick, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. What I find extraordinary about uh, Leo Varadkar's response was that he wasn't prepared for your question. He knew nothing about it and he couldn't answer it. Are they not told in advance so that they can do a bit of research, Mick? Well, obviously, he doesn't read the, the Cork media either because I mean, this has been highlighted by Cork Bio and has been online for over a week now. Um, but even if... He said, I prefer not to comment. I'm not aware of it. This is the first I've heard of it. There are laws to cover it in the labour law area. I can comment. So what is that the end of it now? Uh, no, I, I don't intend to let go of it. Uh, and I think he could have commented. Um, I mean, even if he wasn't aware and he wasn't reading the Cork media, um, I think the least that the Taoiseach could have done is he could have said, look, uh, I need to find out more information about this. But if what you're saying is true, I would find that quite disturbing. Right, that in itself would have put uh, a little bit of a shot across the bells 
of uh, JD Sports. Uh, it wouldn't have been for nothing a comment like that coming from uh, the Taoiseach. Uh, but unfortunately, he, 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 he chose uh, not to say that. Um, but look, um, don't worry about that. It's been raised in the doll yesterday now, which I think uh, moves this up uh, a, a bit of a notch. And it, it is certainly something in my view, that uh, deserves to be highlighted. As you say, uh, a search of a bag or a jacket is not unknown in retail across the sector. But this idea of asking workers, and we're talking about young workers here overwhelmingly, some of them would be under the age of 18, to say, lift your top and show your bare stomach area to a store manager before you leave the store at the end of your working day. Yeah. It's completely unacceptable. No worker should be humiliated in their job. Top layers of clothing should be individually raised, just sufficient to view the stomach area. There's a lot, there, there are lots of others. Like they empty the bags, of course, and the coats have to be taken off and pockets and sleeves have to be turned inside out. Trouser bottoms have to be lifted to the knee. Socks have to be rolled down. Mother of God, trouser pockets empty, turned inside out. Uh, all top layers of clothes raised above the, to, to the stomach level. Sleeves rolled up. They clearly have serious thieving, have they? They must have serious thieving if they've gone that far. Uh, well, shoplifting uh, is is not unknown in in retail, obviously. Um, and you know, I mean, shoplifting uh, in the main takes place from from people who are coming into the store and who don't work uh, in the store. No one's going to argue against the idea of um, some level of checking. Like, as I say, uh, a check in a bag is, is, is not unknown across the retail sector. But this idea of having to show your skin, and you're not just talking about pulling up your socks or pulling up your sleeves. But it's your navel your area, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's humiliating. And one of the workers who was interviewed by Cork Bio, uh said that they felt that they were being treated like an animal. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can understand how that young worker uh, feels in that regard. You know that it's a visual search. It's strictly non-contact. You, you're, you're aware of that. That's, that's the response that JD's management have given. Searches are strictly non-contact. Does that make it any better? Yes, I am aware of that. And I am aware that, um, you know, uh, they, 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 they're, they're meant to do it uh, in sight of CCTV. Uh, and that uh, if, for example, uh, all you have is, is male managers in a store and it's uh, a young female... Uh, who's being asked to do this, that they're meant to have a woman present. But despite all of that, it, it doesn't make any fundamental difference. This is, is outrageous, it's disgraceful, and it's an abuse of young workers. You know that uh, it's in the contract, though. It's in the employee's contract. There's a t- section on it, I've seen it, it says staff searches, and it says that those deemed uh, to be unreasonably refusing to, uh, to submit to a search will be dealt with through disciplinary procedure and it may lead to your dismissal. And you can either sign the contract or not. Yes, uh, I am aware of the fact that it is in uh, the contract. Uh, It's not much of a choice uh, for a young worker who needs a job and who needs, uh, you know, uh, money for rent or money for a decent lifestyle or or what have you uh, to say, okay, well, you know, you have a choice here. Yeah, you can walk away and not have the job and not get the wage. Uh, of course, the majority of people who need the money and who need the job will sign the contract. The fact that it's in a contract actually raises the point, in my view, 
um, that this is a matter for the doll to look at. Uh, do we need legislation uh, which, which would stop stuff like this, stop this kind of humiliating treatment being included in uh, uh, contracts? But, you know, the response of the Taoiseach yesterday maybe sends out a little bit of a message uh, to, to young workers not, not, not to be relying on the government <laughs> so, uh, on these issues. So if this isn't going to be re- resolved or helped in any way in the doll, what's going to happen? Well, I think the workers have taken the first step themselves. Um, uh, they've, they've let the genie out of the bottle and they've... Uh, spoken to people in the media and they've gotten it out there and the response from people in the city that I've been speaking to and especially from shop shop workers has been one of uh, outrage. Uh, So that's the first step. Um, The powerful things can happen when workers begin to work together and and organise and if if those workers need any help or assistance in organising on this issue... Uh, they can feel free to contact me, contact my office. I'll give them whatever help and advice that I can. They have workers a union, though, the Independent it's, it's, Workers it's, it's, Union, haven't they? And they, the union said it was a disgrace. Um, but I'm not sure they've said a whole lot more than that. Well, it's a positive thing that uh, a trade union city has spoken out uh, against this. Um, uh, I, I welcome that. Uh, and I think that... Um, the key is for workers to organise uh, and if they can get genuine help and assistance from a union. Are you saying uh, that the workers should refuse to lift their tops or are you saying that they should refuse to engage in any type of search? Well, that's an easy for, uh, thing for me as a TD to come on a radio station uh, and say. I mean, the, the contract makes it very clear that if a worker refuses to lift their top that they can be disciplined uh, up to and including uh, losing their job. So it's a serious step to take. But equally, it's also clear that if everyone working in JD Sports uh, banded together and refused to do it, uh, the company would have a problem on their hands. But are you, are you falling short of there. saying that? Are you saying to the staff, refuse to do it? No, I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't be so arrogant as to come on to the radio and tell the workers in JD Sports what to do. What I would do and what I would say is that when you stand alone in a job against a powerful company like JD Sports, uh, you're in a very tough position. But when you band together and you organize, you have a bit of power on your hands. And if that power can be built up to the point that people can refuse to do it full stop then that's something that I would be prepared to back them on 100%. Okay, okay. Um, Thanks for taking the call and thanks for raising it in the doll yesterday, McBarry TD. Um, uh, I'm also very keen to talk with other people who work in retail. I won't give out any of your personal details. Don't worry about any of that. Even if you're texting me, never mind coming on the air. But uh, I'd love to hear of other issues within retail where people actually have to go through uh, some kind of a search or some sort of a check as you're leaving the job at the end of the day. So do share those stories. Text 0868104106. I'll never pass on uh, private information. Um, there was another story actually that made the papers this morning. This is very sad because this was a loyal garage worker who worked for over half a century uh, taking only one day annual leave every year. 
That's right, you heard it correctly, was working 364 days a year for 50 years. And he was told by his former employer that you can F off with yourself now, you're fired, and you can walk off up the road. Well, that went to the Workplace Relations Commission, and that family-owned garage uh, was told you must pay €30,400 in compensation for his unfair dismissal. The whole thing, apparently, he described himself as a slave labourer. Uh, he'd been with the company since 1970 and worked every single day since then, except for one day a year. I mean, it's an incredible thing. And the whole thing stems from an alleged incident over a coat or something, or the theft or the allegation of a theft of a coat. And that's how it ended up. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. Uh, and rightly so, um, the uh, company, the garage was found wanting at the Workplace Relations Commission. Imagine 50 years service taken one day a year holiday and it ending like that. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Yeah, talking about the court reports earlier on there. My son, who was 18, was in town in late November. He wasn't drinking and when he got made it back to his car, he was surrounded by three men with machetes. He got off the footpath and he jumped into his car fast. The men tapped the car window with the machetes as he sped off. We reported it to the guards. We were told to ring 99 in future, straight away. When they looked into it, one of the lads was sentenced to three months in jail, but had never served a day. That's an incredible story, isn't it? An 18-year-old inside in town. For what reason were they in the city with machetes? And for what reason would they have any interest in your son and his car? Mind you, Johnny the the proud Corkonian says, I was picking up a family member from town earlier this week, and I'd normally just swing by and get them and go. But I had a bit of time, so I said I'd head in and have an old look around. My God, these are his words, not mine now. He says, my God, what a dumper city has become. Now, I remember why I never go in there. Uh, Dereliction everywhere. North Main Street, down Panna, Oliver Plunkett Street is looking as sad as it ever has. I find that extraordinary that you would say that. Anyway, boarded up windows, flaking paint, vape and mobile phone repair shops seem to be the only thing opening up now in the city. Oh, with all the bottles of prime energy drink adoring the shop windows. I'm only in my late 20s before you ask and I cannot believe how the city has changed. I remember being a kid and going into the cafe in Roaches or having a thumb around Football Crazy and chatting with Mr. Football Tony Hennessy in Academy Street. I remember going to restaurants like Garibaldi's and Ruan Thai. There was always being a big buzz around town. It wasn't exactly Venice, granted, but it was always an enjoyable place to go and spend some time looking around the shops. And moreover, it was very hard to find a sign of the roughness that exists now. Now it's everywhere. Homelessness, drug taking, the smell of weed hanging around the doorfronts of abandoned shops uh, left behind as everyone moves online. Gangs of young fellas hanging around in full tracksuits, hoods up. It feels so intimidating coming into town now. I normally would never write an email like this, but I honestly felt quite emotional the other day. I had a lump in my throat when I looked around and saw how terrible our city looked. If I was a local councillor, I would be absolutely ashamed at how we've left our city go this way. I'm actually struggling to put my finger on it. Is it the multinationals that have come in? Is it online retail? UK high streets taking over from local businesses or maybe a lack of interest from council? I mean, I can't understand it. The financial crash happened ages ago. Why does our city still look like we're in the grips of it? 
Even the nightlife. You never get any decent gigs in the city anymore. Yeah, you've got Live of the Marquee and gigs at Musgrave Park are great. But they're only in the summer and they're not in the city. Dublin has five or six differently sized venues for bands. Uh, we have Cypress Avenue and the Opera House and they're just not big enough for some acts. I'm sure I'm speaking with rose-tinted glasses for the older days. Uh, but the other day I genuinely felt so ashamed and embarrassed to be from Cork. We've an absolutely brilliant city with so much history. How have we let it go to such wreck and ruin? It's time we started saving some of our historic buildings, encouraging people to live in the city again, and also local people to start up businesses here. It just doesn't feel like the Cork that I know. And that's from a proud Corkonian. And before you think that might be somebody in their 60s, 70s or 80s, that's a chap that's just in his late 20s. Uh, you can get involved in that conversation. Text 0868104106. Josie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Uh, I, I'm grand, but I think it's a little overly critical, actually, uh, that email. I don't know whether you'd agree with me. Certainly with regards to, say, I think Oliver Plunkett Street is a glorious street. Um, I think it's probably the best street we have. But anyway, this isn't about me. Your thoughts? I think that um, Cork City Council have left the place go. And I think that they should bring in a ban on people begging and lying down and sleeping on our main streets, especially Patrick Street, Oliver Plunkett Street, Paul Street, North Main Street. I just think that um, it's off-putting. And I think that there's enough charities out there like Trina Toomey, Simon, that they can go there. They don't need to be sleeping in Partridge Street in doorways and you're going in town in the morning at nine o'clock and you're looking at them waking up people. I do feel sorry for them, but I think there's a lot of them there that don't need to be. So I suppose those that will see that the most are those going into work in the city where they have a starting time at nine o'clock, isn't it? They'll see them the most. You know, as the day goes on, you'll see less and less, wouldn't you? And so will our tourists, Neil. So will our tourists. When they come into the city for the summer, they're going to be looking at that. Yeah. And it's off, but if we go to cities around the world, you're not looking at grown men, groups of them, from in doorways, having a great laugh under quilts. It's very intimidating and it's very off-putting, and it's not Cork City that I love. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, love. I mean, you will see it in other cities. Whether you'll see it as much, I don't know, but it, homelessness exists in all major cities, so it's not anything exclusive but, but to Cork. They're, they're off the main streets. They're off the main areas that people would go, like Patrick Street. There's five or six doorways, and you're guaranteed every morning there's people under quilts Trunning doors, doorways. Not, not, I think the genuine, the genuine homeless know where to go, and they, they are getting help. Yeah, they but know Simon, Simon is full most of the time, and not everybody that's homeless wants to actually lay their head down in Simon for various reasons, for their own safety or for for drug issues. And the same could be said for St Vincent's or what have you. They feel that they're safer on the streets. That's what I'm told. Yeah, and like as. Um, a person living, I don't believe that everybody under them quilts in Patrick Street are homeless. Okay, okay, okay. I really don't. I like it's like we're not stupid, Neil. There is people out there that take advantage of people, and I think a lot of the begging on Patrick Street is set up. So you would have no homelessness, nobody sleeping in doorways, and a law enforced to stop that and stop begging as well, 100%. 
especially, especially on our three main streets. Right, okay. I do. Oh, okay. I do. Okay. And what do you have anything on on say dereliction then? Whether it's North Main Street, Patrick Street, Oliver Plunkett Street, all of the side streets down around Emmett Place, Strawbridge Street, areas like that. Do you think? Do you think they're shabby, run down? I do. A hundred percent, I do. And I agree with you that they should open up higher than over the shops and turn them into apartments, and there'd be less homelessness. Over shops like it was long ago, basic. Okay. Over but, shops. Okay. You'd that will take people off the homeless list. But you'd start with the ban on begging and sleeping. I would. Okay. I would. All right. I don't. I don't like to see the quilts trun in Patrick Street outside Pennies or outside um, Bank. TSB Bank. I don't like to see that when I go into town. Where morning, you have a building that's closed up or barricaded up or not being used or open, that's where you'll find people sleeping most of the time. Josie, yeah. thank you for that, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. Good Your morning. thoughts. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Oh, just I, I, um, I just think that Cork City has changed so much and it isn't, isn't anything like it used to be. It doesn't have the charm that it used to have and it, it is a scary place nowadays. I think. In in what way is it scary with regards to your safety, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for instance, I don't live in the city at all. I live in Bandon and I was getting a bus. Uh, last year, I got a bus from Bandon up to Cork and I was getting the train at Kent Station and I got a taxi from the bus station to Kent Station because I did not want, and I like walking, but what the walk didn't bother me. I did not want to do that walk from the bus station to Kent Station. What? That's like five minutes. I know. <laughs> were, you that, I know were you that worried for I, your safety? Yes, yes, yes. I, I do not like Cork City. On, I would not go to Cork City on my own nowadays anyway. During the day now? We're not talking about oh, nine yeah. or ten o'clock. I, I'm talking about during the day. What did you I feel might happen if you had walked from Parnell Place to Kent? But I might get mugged or something. It just doesn't feel a safe place anymore. It just isn't the place it used to be at all. With regards to what? The potential to be robbed or assaulted, the drug dealing, the begging, the homelessness? Yes, that. The the dereliction of buildings? The whole dereliction of the place, just the look of it is is awful. But but hold on, it's, it's on the way back. Like There's been a lot of recent announcements and changes on Patrick Street, if you'll just... Humour me for a moment. Flannels mm-hmm. are moving into the former Eason store. Eason's have reopened um, further down Patrick Street. The, the mm. former Victoria Hotel is going to be an absolute wow when it's finished. Um, Penny's is expanding, getting bigger. Uh, the North mm. Face is opening. Dune Footwear is opening. Uh, we have uh, Mango going into Quills. Uh, Lego are expected to open a shop on Patrick Street. Doc Martens are expected to open a shop on Patrick Street. Mm-hmm. North Face opened a shop. Dune is going in. Um, there, there's a there's a lot being proposed. You know, I mean, I mean, being proposed. Yeah, and finally, for now, Debenhams yeah. is still on the market for I don't know something oh. north of twenty five million or something. But and that was a huge loss. A huge loss. Debenhams. But you see all of the other, I mean, there's more There's more opening now than closing, is what I'm saying. Oh, I, I disagree, because as you say, they're only proposed, they haven't happened. And if you want to go up there to do a bit of shopping, you literally, you haven't much choice up there anymore. If you wanted to get an outfit or something like that, there isn't much choice now. 
you know, apart from Duns and somewhere like that, which I could go to Duns in, in other places. Yeah. I don't need to go to the city for that. Yeah, yeah. So what would you be coming into the city for that you couldn't get, say, in, in Bandon or indeed in, in the shopping centres in the city suburbs? Oh, the last time I, I very rarely go to the city now at all. The last time I came to the city was because um, I was with my daughter we, and she had a hospital appointment. So obviously we said we'd take a look around the city and really we couldn't wait to get out of it. All right, so just before I let there. you go, what did you see when you had your look around the city? Nothing much at all. I mean, uh, stupid little things like you're, you're saying, Eason's, one of the places we always used to go for a cup of coffee was Eason's. There's a lovely little coffee shop in, in the old Easons. That's gone. There's no coffee shop in the new Easons. It's, it's Listen, just... Linda, there's probably more coffee shops in Cork City than anything else. You're not short of a cup of coffee in the city. Fairness. No, but I probably don't want to go to any of those. You know, we we, we liked the little coffee shop in Easons and it's it's gone. And I do remember years ago, my husband and I now, this for instance, my husband and I, whenever we went to Cork City, we used to park in the North Main Street car park. There used to be a lovely cafe cum restaurant in that shopping centre. Upstairs, it used to take over one whole floor. Loads of people, most of the city people, you know, a lot of city people would go there. Families would meet there. It was a lovely place. Very reasonable. The food was nice. That closed down was never replaced mm. with anything. Mm. And you're saying the other coffee shops, I mean, some of them, they're a bit too posh for some people. They're a bit too expensive for some people. Mm, okay. We like just a nice down-to-earth place to go for a cup of coffee. Okay, okay. And that, of course, can be the game-changer for somebody not going in anymore when something that they loved to visit closes. That can yep. be the end of the relationship with the city centre. Okay. Oh, All right. God, yeah. Okay, yep. thanks for that. Cheers for now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bye. Linda. In fact, uh, yeah, you're right, Seamus. Thank you for updating me. North Face opened already. They opened last October. Uh, just trying to accentuate the positive. North Main Street in the early to mid-noughties used to be vibrant and full of life with different shops, a few cafes and bars. Now look at it. It's nothing short of old and run down. North Main Street is so sad. It's terrible and City Council appears not to notice. Shame on the management and the councillors. What actually, if it's down, what if it's down to rents? You know, that a lot of those buildings are owned by big corporations or very wealthy landlords or maybe even very poor owners who have high rents. Uh, and, you know, it's not attracting business because of the high rents. Uh, I'd love to see these buildings back in use, but it's way too expensive for a starter business to ever go into the city. You would, would you ever see a city centre in any major hub this run down and unused? Um, uh, it's a kip. I'd rather shop in Maham Point, Douglas, Bishopstown Court, Wilton, etc. Plus, it's easier to park. Oh, and remember, it's free uh, to park in your Douglas and Maham Point and Bishopstown Court and Wilton. I was in the city over the weekend. I was sad and shocked to see Washington Street. Everything is so dismal and gloomy looking. Town's a no-go now. I used to love walking to town and dropping my kids to school and going down to Shandon Street and the North Main Street. I wouldn't dare go down there now, even early in the morning. It's nothing short of disgraceful. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Staying with the phone lines, uh, PJ McNamara um, actually worked in security at one stage in the city, I believe. PJ, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Are you in the city now? What, are you living in Cork? Is it the county of Cork, is it? Uh, no, I'm living out in Yawn. In Yawn, yeah. Well, <laughs> that is... But I, I walk in, in the city. Okay, uh, okay. 
Are you still are you still in security? Oh, I'm still in the security industry, yeah, but okay. I just don't do I don't do retail anymore. But from the time I spent in it, um, I think what's going on with these ladies having to show their midriff before they come out of the JD Sports um, uh, yeah. security checks on staff. Your thoughts on that? It's it's bang out of order. Um, I know I I worked in I worked in Dunn stores in a retail for nearly nine years, and of an evening when the staff would be coming out female or male if they're carrying bags you'd have to look in it but it's, you know it's it's embarrassing if nothing else to have to open it ask a woman to open her bag and have a look but I mean you can't ask her to lift to lift a nice clothing and yeah. I mean if they are if, if a woman is going to rob or steal something be it perfumes or small items there's other places that she can put them uh, without um Using her midriff to or to, to, to to conceal it. So, Sta- staff in JD Sports have been and this is uh, I'm reading again from the Cork PO article that broke this first they have been subject to searches from management including having to lift their tops just f- sufficient to view the stomach area this isn't just female staff you are aware of that it's, it's it's all staff oh I know I appreciate that but I don't know it brings a morality thing into it Neil I mean where do you stop I mean do you start strip searching staff before they come out of of, of, of work what? you know just asking anyone to lift a nice McLeod. look when when I was um, doing um, security uh, with Dunn stores there were, there were people that, that used to come in and they used to hide they used to steal stuff and put it in underneath their skirt that you know and um, how, how how would it be how could you do that in your skirt? Like, surely, like. Well, I just want to be careful what I say, but the, the 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 people involved would have long skirts, flouncy skirts, and underneath that skirt there would be a bag. See, so the stuff would be lifted and put into the bag, literally underneath their skirt. Oh, I well, see what we, you're saying. Without identifying the nationality, you're saying yeah, this is yeah, or uh, um, any individual person. Okay. Yeah, was that fairly um, commonplace? Oh, it's commonplace. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I've seen what it do you do times. then? What, what does a security officer do then uh, at the door? Well, Have you, do what you see? we would do, yeah. what we would do would was we'd wait for the person to leave the store because they have to go past the last pay point in the store, be that customer service or whatever. You, you wait until be, their last opportunity to pay has passed. That would be going has, out the front door. Yeah. And, um, sorry, cheers to you, Zila. Yeah, so you'd wait till they, they got outside the store. You would then approach them and you say, excuse me, ma'am, the, the management would like to have a word with you. There's a gentleman here. Their head is, doesn't set a security, but would be with us or not very far behind. This gentleman needs to speak to you. Um, you know, we have reason to believe there's items um, you've concealed items on you on your person now oh, I've nothing you'd empty out the pockets and everything and we say no there were other places see and then you're into an argument with them straight away so when the guards come along then there's a vanguard there and they'd um, go in and, and they'd find the stuff there so it is a, it's a so, vanguard would search the oh but it'd have to be a female but before in security before you approach 
a female for anything. You have to have a female member of staff or a female security guard with you anyway. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you have to have a, a female member of staff with you anyway. Okay, but it, okay, and um, I understand. Now I, I get the picture with regards to uh, people who are shoplifting, and that could be anybody yeah. with, with you know putting something into their pocket or even into a handbag or into um, you know a rucksack yeah. or whatever. But what about how prevalent is staff stealing? You still there? Sorry, PJ, can you hear me? Hello, we just hit a, a spot there, Neil. I can't hear you. No, okay, I'm just wondering. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you now, that's fine. I'm just curious as to how prevalent is thieving or stealing by staff in retail in Cork? That's why JD Sports are doing this, because they claim that they're being, they must be claiming that they're being robbed by staff members. Um, loss in business goes, goes through staff. And it's not just staff. Management have been known to be at it as well. Like, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, when you go through the bags of staff members leaving work of an evening, would would you ever find anything in the bags? Oh, it has been it has been found small items concealed. Oh, how does that get in there? Does it be the usual comeback? But like, you can't. <clears throat> even though we know that that the people would have stuff underneath their underneath their skirt. What are you to say? Um, put up your skirt. I know you have stuff hidden there. Mm, I don't know what you're you know, supposed you, to do you, in that matter. You can't. You can't do it. And I would imagine. I would imagine there'd be a legal case. I mean, for a male or female, uh, you can't have someone to pull their clothes up or or let you look underneath the clothes. I wouldn't. If I was in retail security, I, I for one, would refuse. So the lifting, the lifting of the tops above the navel and what have you—that's a step too far. Oh, it is. Okay. Oh, okay. It but is. but it it's, is. it's nighttime security you're doing now, is it? That would be probably. Yeah, in, I'm in doing nighttime security in in Cork City. Uh, yet again, I won't say where, but. I'm only living down here for five years, Neil, and I spoke to you several times. Before. Is that in pubs or clubs or whatever? Oh no, it's it's in. Um, I'm I'd be static security. I'd be night just night security I'm in a, a building in the city centre. But it's just your text in, said that you said the city's gone very rough. What do you mean by that? It has. It's, it's gone very rough. So what it was five years ago when I first came down. Um, like everywhere you go. Like, uh, I mean, I worked on, I used to work there on McCartan Street for a while. And it was lovely. It was always a buzz in it when I first came down. But you go out there now, it's a fight of ice. There, I'd be out patrolling the outside of the building. You come across people lying on the ground. One night myself and my wife, she was dropping me off to work. We had to phone an ambulance. There was a guy lying on the ground. There was people just walking by him. Just walking, he was lying there on the ground. There was no blood or anything there, but... Um, there was no blood around there, but he was, he was just lying on the ground. There's fights. Fights everywhere you go. There's, there's um, where I walked, there would be quite a few homeless hanging around that area. And you see them out fighting with bottles, fighting each other with bottles, teething off each other. They're going around pooping and peeing in corners. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it really has gone bad in the city with Patrick Street. Um, with all those empty buildings and stuff in it. Um, now, I know there's a lot of things promised, but the council could 
the council could push harder to have things done. I mean, some of the rents that's been... Well, I know. Yeah, the council has no control over the upwardly rent uh, role in... Oh, I, I appreciate this, but, okay. All right. you know, maybe if it got the Commerce Board or, or they got a meeting of managers and say, look, you, you know... A lot but that's going to do nothing to, to solve the problem of, uh, you know, drugs or alcohol abuse. That's, you know... No, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, Neil. It's okay. been there for... It's been around for such a long time and it's going to be, be around for much longer and it's just getting worse. Okay, all right. Yeah, Egypt, thank you for that. are there for people to go and and get clean. <laughs> to come back out and before you know they're back to square one again. You okay, know? all right. Appreciate it. We're so. back after 10. Thank you for your contribution, PJ McNamara. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yeah, I was talking about energy costs and the uh, different issues regarding that earlier on. Somebody said there's been a real run on slow cookers and air fryers. There certainly has. And the benefits of a slow cooker, well, the lower temperature you cook, the less heat you use. So the less energy you're generating. It also helps that you can even use the cheapest cuts in the process of cooking. It will be tenderized, even the toughest of meats in a slow cooker. Thank you for that. Uh, with regards to um, certainly prison-related stories that I tell you about from the court reports, it's sad, but it's true that people come out of Cork prison now and have nowhere to go. They're homeless and are committing crimes just to get back in for a bed, three meals a day, the gym and Netflix. Thank you for that. Cork is a complete dump and a haven for nothing more than drugs and alcohol now. And the city council wants injection centres in our city. Isn't it ridiculous altogether? Uh, The city council should give the owners of all derelict buildings six months to sort their premises. If they don't, they should seize the properties, says Paddy. I have to agree with your caller. I don't, well, I think it originated with an email. I don't come into the city too often as I can see the dereliction and dismal air about the place. Used to be such a vibrant city. But with the empty shops and beggars and drunks, it's become an awful place, says Richie. I'm in the city a lot. And, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to brighter, sunnier days across, you know, the back end of the spring and into the summer. When an awful lot of the shops will be offering outdoor. They're outdoor already, certainly cafes and and restaurants. But I think there's a great buzz in the city, notwithstanding all of the carry on with, you know, the issues regarding, you know, you know, People begging or, you know, fighting or hassling. It's awful to see the drug deals going out and going on. And it's shocking to see people fighting amongst each other over the price of a, a bag of weed or a bit of cocoa, whatever the case may be. And I see that quite a lot. But in spite of all of that, you know, I think that we have moved to more of an outdoor culture in the city. And that's good. It's lovely to see people on a good day, you know, sitting outside the Chateau or the different coffee shops or restaurants on Oliver Plunkett Street or the fabulous buzz that you'd see up on McCurtain Street of a weekend evening. You know what I mean? I just think that there are good sides to it too, notwithstanding the problems. Not everybody's agreeing. City's gone to the dogs. Go in any morning, have a proper look around. It's not a place to go with your kids on a Saturday anymore. I'm sad to say. There's just no joy in it. You're only half watching your back and around the car parks is particularly dodgy. And before you say anything, I'm in my early 30s. Um, My daughter worked in JD Sports with regards to the security protocols there. They treat their young staff badly. They had them working long shifts and expected them to run out after the thieves. 
They won't pay security in spite of the money they make and while paying staff low wages at the same time. I wouldn't recommend anyone to work in that kind of industries, especially if you're a young female. Uh, management speak down to staff when they complain about anything. It would break your heart to see the way that staff, particularly young staff these days, are being treated. I wanted so much to go in, but she begged me not to. Uh, so that's a selection of texts to 0868104106. More of those in a minute, but back to the phone line. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, and again, this is interesting to see it from a young person's perspective again, somebody in their 20s. The original email was from a chap in his 30s. So your thoughts? So, like, when I hear listeners on saying that the city is derelict because of the homeless population, as per the housing report in November 2022, there's over 8,000 homeless adults in Cork and over 3,000 homeless children. Simon has a capacity of 75 beds. Where are they supposed to go? And you can't stay by day. You have to get out. Yeah. No. There's plenty of like day centres and Cork Penny dinners and things like that. And the work they do is invaluable. But to suggest a ban, you know, on them digging. Like, there is nowhere for them to go. And I was just watching last night what RTE's entertainers earn. And I'm thinking, why isn't it going into housing? You think that's it's too much, do you? You think you're not getting value for money there, no? No, I just, like... I wouldn't begrudge them anything, but I think what they're being paid is outrageous considering we can't even house our homeless population. Uh, it's, an issue, it's, an issue that, it's an issue that certainly is open to criticism by virtue of the fact that it's, it's RT is owned by the state, so therefore it's the taxpayers are paying the salaries. A hundred percent, but I can't justify a wage of half a million when we have a homeless population in Cork that size. Yeah, they say, the market, dictate, they say the market dictates talent. That's what they say, that... If you don't pay that, you don't get the talent on the radio or television stations. This is, this is what they say. But that's just a poor excuse. Do you know what I mean? Like, walking around the city, everything is derelict. And that's not down to homeless people. That's down to the council. Not putting money in the right places. Mm. And it all comes back to they're our government. Private, they're, they private, they're private businesses who are charged astronomical rates by the local council. And private Absolutely. businesses who are also paying massive rents to, a lot of the time, international corporations who own Patrick Street. Absolutely. And we, when we have such an educated population in Ireland, there's no incentive for entrepreneurs, the cost of living and everything else, to pay these extortionate rates. But your genera- are your generations shopping in the city? Or are you in Wilton? Are you in Bishopstown? Are you in Douglas? Are you in Mahon? Where I are love, you? I love the city. I love the city. Because I went to college here. And I'm very proud of the city. I just think there's no effort in the infrastructure. There's no draw for tourists. There's no buzz about the place. And that's not down to homeless people. That is down to our government not putting in any effort. It's not a pleasant sight, though, for people who might want to socialise or do a bit of retail therapy in the city to see so no, many people sleeping in doorways. Now. No, it's I mean, text, no, I'm, I'm, refer- I'm referencing those that are sleeping in doorways or many, many beggars. Uh, unfortunately, a proportion of them who are professional beggars, if you know what I mean. But where are they supposed to go? Not beg. But that's what I mean. What, what would they do for money? What would they do for food? What would they do for anything? Uh, oh, I know, it's, I, know, I know of the genuine ones who a lot of the time, unfortunately, are tapping because they need to feed a habit. I get that. I'd say in the whole time I've spent in Cork, coming up and down to college the last 10 years, teaching up here, I'd say if I've seen two or three professional beggars, that's the max, as you call them. Mm-hmm. It is genuine cases, you know. And my thing is, a lot of them are on Patrick Street because there's shelter in the doorways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't be on Patrick Street. They should be adequately provided for. Okay. Do you feel Homeless safe therapy. in the city then yourself? Not a bother there? 
uh, not as safe as I used to, no. Why do you think but that I is? Think, I just think, like, really, instead of blaming teenagers, which I'm just going to say it, have always been around town in full tracksuits. We all did it. I just think instead of blaming homelessness and teenagers, if they put a bit more money into the infrastructure, made it a more appealing place to start a business or even maintain a business. Yeah, I know, but, like, if you look at Bishop Lu- but if you look at Bishop Lucy Park as a typical example, if you look around the Peace yeah. Park, unfortunately, there's some ne'er-do-wells there, and, and some of them are sad cases, I get that, but it's, it's almost as if those areas now are populated by people who are down on their luck, and then others don't wish to go there to use what would be beautiful places for a bit of recreation. Well, Bishop Lucy Park was always kind of like that. I'm not saying it hasn't increased or got worse. It Sadly, has, the benches around the always, Peace Park are, are, are similar now. They are, like, but it was always like that. Like, it was never a place you'd take kids, in my memory anyway, you know. But it is definitely worse. But it, it, for me, it all comes back to the government not doing their bit. You kind know? of sad, though, that Bishop Lucy Park would be described as a no-go area for families, wouldn't it? Isn't that sad? You see, now you might have different memory of it. It was always kind of rough in my time, Bishop Lucy Park. Yeah, no, never someone yeah, you go yeah, yeah. recreationally, do you know what I mean? Um, now, it's gotten worse. But I think the reason it's gotten worse all comes back to the government. Okay. Rising cost of living, backing greedy landlords. No incentive uh, to... Do you know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Let me get Anthony in. We've spoken to him in the past. He's with Cork City Homeless Group. He's got an interesting point to make. Anthony, good morning. How's it going, Nile? Good, my man. Good, my man. You you see the um, the doorway issue, don't you? Because you're out doing uh, your runs. Did you want to just I reference have, that? We're out in the walkabout there most nights there, and it's getting ridiculous. Um, what you call it? The, like, there's always six or seven there at the moment there in the doorways in Patrick Street there. And it's gone crazy, like. Do you know their story, I wonder, though, those in the doorways? Well, these lads know they're in the doorway here. They're, they are professional beggars. What's like, a professional you know? beggar, then? Um, what do they? Well, they, they come in for special occasions there, and they just beg all the time, like, you know. And, like, they, they just collect money and send it home and what have you, go back to wherever they came from. Right, OK. Where is you that? Know? Other parts of Europe, is it? Oh, it would be, yeah. 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 So they're not genuine, but they are sleeping in doorways, though, or do oh, they arrive they, early in the morning, or what? They sleep in the doorways at nighttime, they're like, you know, they'll be still in the rake if I can do this, what have you. And they'll be like, there the story there, you know, with the OP, you know. They'll have about 10 flagging doorways underneath them, and they'll have about 10 above and top of them. And do they make reasonable money? Well, I know once for the there last year, he pulled out a big wad of money there one time there over by the church and um, the Pope's key there. And he ended up, he got hockeyed. For like part of money and he had big wads of money. Like. Somebody jumped him when he took it out, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you, like, see, did you see that? Well, I was on the other side of the river and I could see over, like, the, but afterwards, when we were dropping off dinners, we were told what actually went down there, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, when we see the crowd over there, from one side of the river, we kind of knew there was something going down, you know, so we kind of... So how do you know the, the difference, way. then, between the genuine and the and the professionals? 
But it's hard, hard to tell, like, you know. But you know our own lads there now that's be out big in there, like, they be looking for something for their, their, own, for their own fix, like, you know. These fellas, mm. mm. they won't be drunk and they won't, they won't be taking drugs, you know, these professional ones. Mm. They'll have their wits about them, you know. But our own lads that do go for us few bob that they get be either for drink or drugs whichever they is their tip so like, what you know? should people be looking out for the ones that are in doorways in groups with lots and lots of duvets they're there yeah, uh, for financial they're, 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 they're the professional beggars like they're afraid of the cold you know so like our own lads there that are in the doorways there like there's one lad there he's in the doorway there he only has a sleeping bag he wouldn't even a duvet you know he just have a sleep bag. These these professional beggars there, they have four or five sleeping bags and doobies and what have you. And do they have a home as well at the same time, or is that is that their home? Uh, well, no, they they do like they come down from up the country. Like, they could be from Limerick, now, or they could be from Wexford or somewhere like that. Like you know, yeah, you know they they have houses up the other side, but what money they get in? Like some of them come in from overseas. Like the fellow I was telling you about there a while ago with all this water money. He was flying out the following day. Back to where he was living. So did he tell you he was here to beg and was going to fly home then? Oh yeah. Shit. He was going home the following day. Oh, that, would, that would break your heart if you were giving money to characters like that, wouldn't it? Exactly. Thinking like, you were they goes into the shops there to be changing the coins into notes. And they goes home then with the notes in their pocket. One of them was actually caught there about two years ago. He had something like 24,000 euros in his pocket going on the flight. Was that a court case? It was, yeah. Yeah, but is there anything illegal about having 24,000 euro in your pocket getting an well, airplane? He was leaving the country with it. I just have to know you can't leave the country right, with maybe, anything more. Maybe you know? a, yeah, maybe it's the limit. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually just something but was that, that 24 can't. grand from begging? Yeah. All money from begging. Okay, okay. When they when they ask you for help, though, your organisation, the City Homeless Group, do you help them? Oh, we do, yeah. We, we refuse no one. I know. Like, like, we, like, if we have dinners... We'll give them to them. They'll look around, we give them to them. What have you like? They're on the streets. We know that they can afford to buy dinners. But we just wouldn't refuse them. But does know? it not stick in your craw? No, you just do it. Yeah, no, we just do it. All right. You know? Okay. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for taking the call. Are you out these Thank days? You. You're out all the time. No change in that regard. Everything going okay? Yeah. Playing away there, tipping away. All right, bye. Keep it up. Thanks for that. Jane, good morning. Hi Neil, Why are, are you? you sad and irked? <laughs> well, it was the call with Josie earlier that kind of struck a chord with me and I kind of realised we're all a bit disconnected from our own humanity, you know, because I know this chap that just spoke before me has, has mentioned professional beggars, but there was a caller beforehand who gave the statistics, 8,000 homeless in Cork, 3,000 homeless children. People... People have to sleep somewhere and Josie just doesn't want it on her doorstep and she doesn't seem to be one to be looking at it. None of us want to look at it. Nobody wants to look at that. But instead of getting on the radio and having a gripe, 
about it, perhaps she could, you know, approach somebody and do something for them, you know, or do something constructive, you know, instead of fobbing it off onto Katrina Toomey. I don't, but I didn't even know she, you know, provided accommodation anyway, or Penny mm-hmm. Dinners did do that. But mm-hmm. so there is a joy, like Josie just seems to be disconnected or something. That, you know, she could find maybe a joy in doing something for somebody else, you know, helping somebody else, because there is a joy in it. You know, without do you know what I mean? It's people yeah. helping in helping in what way? Uh, you if you if you help somebody on the streets, for instance, or you give them a few bob, you're doing it in the knowledge that they're going to buy drink with it, or that they're going to buy heroin or, or cocaine or trade in tablets with it. So, how are you helping them? Well, not everybody's doing that, and sometimes it just helps somebody get through the day. Do you know what I mean? I believe I I don't know like some these people suffer pains and aches if they don't get their fix is my understanding I mean or else don't help by providing money get involved in a group such as the previous caller and do a food run yeah but then he observes on the food run people who would be professional beggars making vast quantities of money flying in and out of the country to beg but like Neil this is down to our own personal choice like if we're going to be generous are we going to be generous with stipulations or are we just going to be generous and leave it at that if we if we help a, if we help a human if we help an animal do we go you have to do this now because I did that for you you know no help them keep your mouth shut about helping them walk on. But if you help if you help those that don't need it, isn't that going to attract more into the city who also don't need it? And before you know it, it's just going to go from bad to worse. Yours is getting smaller. Cork is just turning into like every other city around, you know, every other big city in the world, you know. But people are, people are entitled city. to I mean, it. We're a tiny city, actually, and that's the problem. It's so concentrated in the city centre. Every other city has pockets, whereas Cork City is actually a tiny city. But people so should be entitled as Corkonians or those who aren't just anyone who's living here to be able to enjoy the city. For instance, uh, the city's gone to the dogs. Go in any morning, have a proper look around. It's not a place to go with your kids on a Saturday anymore. There's no joy in it. You're half watching your back. Another one. I walk from Paul Street Car Park to the Mercy Hospital once a month at nine o'clock. It's my scary walk. I put my purse, keys and phone into my coat pocket so there's nothing important left in my bag if I get mugged. Alcohol, drugs, the biggest problem in Cork, especially around the North Main Street area. This is the reality of what people have to deal with. No, I know. I, I live in Cork City. I mean, I, I, I live up in the north side and I, I live in Cork all my life. I know what's going on. But people bobbing it off onto other groups, people coming on the radio, broadcasting their disgust for people that they're looking at. People are people. These mm. are human beings. Mm. Mm. Or animals or whatever. Yeah. Whoever, you know. Instead of going on having a whinge about it, do something. Do something nice for somebody. I'll leave you with and this. I'll leave you with this text, yeah, which kind of half agrees with you. Who would want to go? You'd want to go to London. Uh, so many people are homeless on the streets, and everywhere else I've been to, it's not just Cork. Cork is the yeah. most beautiful city. I just love going there and shopping and having something to eat. It's my ideal happy day out. People exaggerate so much, says Marie and Clan. Well, there- I, I, it depends on your own vulnerability. I go to town maybe three times, three days a week, you know, whatever. And I see it. I see what people are talking about. I'm not immune to it. But you can look beyond it. Or if you want to help somebody, do it. Mm, you know? But others are entitled to say, I don't have to tolerate it. But what are they doing to not tolerate it? Get on the Neil Prendival show and whinge. 
know. Really? Right. Good point. Jesus, like, come on. All right. Okay. Thanks, Jane. Back after the break. Text 0868 104 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. I suppose it could be said that people, unfortunately, are getting angrier as well and that the endorphins are flying and all sorts of things like that. I was uh, talking about reports out there recently saying that less people are drinking alcohol, particularly of a younger demographic. They're drinking yet less alcohol. That's very true, but it doesn't mean that they're not doing other things. And unfortunately, the scales of that are balanced somewhat because they're taking more cocaine and drinking less alcohol. And, of course, that's leading to all sorts of issues uh, on our streets then with regards to violence and stuff like that. Uh, in relation to the safety of Cork City, I feel way safer going to Dublin than Cork City. I'd go during the day with someone if I was. It's run down and there's always people begging. I wouldn't go out at night there unless uh, with my husband. And that's only to the Opera House because you'd only be going back to Paul Street Shopping Centre after the show. And you're guaranteed a bit of safety in a crowd. Yet I go to Dublin with my daughter and I feel safe as it's patrolled by Gardaí at night, especially if you go to a concert, say, for instance. I get the Lewis from the Three Arena and it's safe out, says Jane. Love the show. Have you ever stood at the Lewis stop, though, uh, when you come out of Houston Station waiting to get the Lewis or waiting to get a bus? I mean, that can be a fairly scary experience, I can tell you, with the characters hanging around there, in fairness. But back to the phone lines. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, what issue did you want to pick up on? The fact that a lot of the people are out of their heads, is it? No, no. Well, there's kind of three points, really. Like, the first one was, you had a caller on earlier saying that, why do they have to lie in doorways in the main streets? And she also said that you wouldn't see it in other cities around the world. Well, you would. Well, like, you would, because I've been, I haven't been all over the world, but I've been to a few European cities and New York, and homelessness is in your face. And, like, where else are they going to go? You know, and I, I, my opinion is, my opinion is, they're lying in doorways on the main street because they feel safe. There's lots of CCTV. If they go down the side streets, they're open to attack. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, and like she said, they're laughing and joking. Nobody wants to be living on the streets. Like, if they're having a laugh and a joke, that's, that's an escape. For well, we heard from the homeless services a while ago saying that some actually do because they're making a hell of a lot of money at it. They're professional. But again, how many professionals are there? Like, I, I don't know. I don't beggars. know the stats. You know, you, 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 you can speak about professional beggars and then that turns people's resentment towards all of them. They're most of the people on the streets begging are not professional. The majority are not professional. Mm. They're, they're sad, lonely people. They have addiction. They have mental health issues. Do you know what? They need help. You said there, what good are they? What good are we doing giving them money? Well, that money, whether it's for drink, drugs or food, it's keeping them alive in the day. Like heroin and alcohol, they're, they're physical addictions. You need that to survive. Unfortunately, they've got into a situation where they're living day to day on drugs. If they don't have that, that drink or drug, they'll die. Yeah. And yeah. If you, Who you wouldn't be tempted? Well, Who wouldn't be tempted if you were living homeless on the streets, though? You know? I mean, think well, like, think think about that. If that was your whole life, and you got some solace or relief from strong alcohol or heroin exactly. or tablets or whatever, life, but who who like who, the addiction is a symptom of the problem. The addiction is not the, the addiction is the symptom of the problem. Like Gabramata has said it, and every addict worldwide has childhood trauma. And in Ireland, we treat it as a criminal. Thing. We stigmatise addiction. People look down their nose at fellas on the street, women on the street. They're people. They have families. They're they have loved ones. They don't want to. But be But it there. can't be true that everybody has childhood trauma. Surely, like surely, be to God, it could be all sorts well, of different reasons here, why I, people I'm end not, up I'm in not rehab. A scientist. 
I'm not a social scientist, Gabor Mate is. He's the world but all, leader. Could you say business. all of them, though? I mean, can it not be He's, the company? Gabor Mate says if you go across addicts across the world, every addict has trauma. And in, in Vietnam... In the no, 60s, no, it's the difference between trauma, but you said childhood trauma. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm quite trauma. sure that you wouldn't have every single... Uh, residential setting for rehabilitation with only people with childhood trauma. There could be all sorts of different reasons as to why they abused alcohol or abused heroin or cocaine or prescription drugs. Why would you choose that? Could be the company okay, you keep, the amount of money you have, just your social well, habits getting out of control, uh, abusing, a th- abusing a substance and then becoming dependent on it. Do you know what I mean? You could have been reared by great families and still end up an alcoholic, for instance. Yeah, but there has to be some underlying issue. And, and the science is there. I'm only saying what the science says. Oh, no, no, but we're only, chat, we're only you know, chatting back and, and forth. I'm, I'm just thinking, would and, you accept that? And that like maybe if, 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 I, I wouldn't accept that. Okay. I mean, who, who, who chooses to go into addiction? Who chooses to... No one chooses it, to, but you can come from exactly. a great... You can come, I'm just saying you can come from a great families and still end up in addiction, throes of addiction. That's all I'm saying. But great um, families have trauma as well. There's generational trauma. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, we're, we're just chatting. I mean, there was, a, there was a court report this morning and it, it, it actually broke my heart because the guy before the court, without revisiting it, he had a chaos, a chi, a chi, a chi, should I say, a, a, a life of chaos. Let me put it like the chaotic life. 215 previous convictions, including burglary, theft, robbery, attempted robbery. He actually had um, a shocking upbringing, apparently. He spent most of his life in and out of prison. So at the age of 27, most of his adult life has been in jail at the age of 27. He's going back into jail again. So his chronic yeah. addictions, chaotic lifestyle, high risk of reoffending, all because, in, to make your point, significant adversity in childhood, which then led to all sorts of issues, including homelessness and addictions. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he was sent to jail? Back into jail again. Yeah. Back in the jail again. Help. Three and, and a half jail, years, twelve months suspended. And in jail, you're you're open to more addiction. You're open to abuse. You're open to learning new tricks of the trade. You know, and and it's they're all survival skills. Nobody wants to be in addiction, and for people to come on and say get rid of it off the streets and and put them where, the same people want to load safe injection sites. You know, the harm reduction in this country is just throwing them to jail. It doesn't but, work. Yeah. You have people in jail. You, you say everybody can't have trauma. Well, go to any treatment centre in this country, go to any prison in this country, and see how many people in there are without trauma. I won't say 100% are, are there because of trauma, but I would say the greater majority are there as a result of trauma, which led them into crime and addiction. Mm, mm, mm. And you know, why have you such an interest it. in this? Have you been through it, or do you help those that have been through it, or are you just interested in the topic? Why I'm interested is neither here nor there. No, I'm in early recovery myself. But man. It's, it's like, who are we to judge? People coming on, that's what irks me, is the people coming on judging. As it's, you know, these people don't have a right to do they, they have a right to homes, which they don't get in this country. And you have this lower socioeconomic demographic then, where if you're from a lower socioeconomic place in Cork, or in Ireland, or in anywhere in the world, you're put into the back end. Like, I've seen situations where there's kids in families where there's active drug use. They're not helped. They're not taken out of the situation. The family you see, monkey do, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and, yeah, you're not getting the correct grounding there's as no a child. There's no broken. It's, yeah. going, it's, it's a cycle, it's a circle. All keeps going generation after generation. 
where's the government stepping in to try and break that cycle? And do you really believe that decriminalising drugs would make the situation better? Well, have a look in Portugal. Have a look at the stats in Portugal. Have a look at Switzerland. In Switzerland, they have the, the, the half the heroin-assisted treatment. They've brought their... They don't have um, problematic users on the streets anymore. You have people going into office work in Switzerland where they will go to heroin-assisted treatment centre in the morning and they will get medically prescribed heroin. They go to work, they live their life, they give, to, they give back to the community. They're, they're not um, a burden on the community and they'll get it as well on the way home and, and they'll live normal lives. And can they, fu- can they function with two doses they of heroin a day? Like, again, I'm only saying what the science is there. It's there, it's happening. In Portugal, they decriminalised it. HIV is after plummeting in both Switzerland and Portugal. Crime is after plummeting. Do you know? So, in, in Holland, you have the tolerance. Like it's still illegal, but they, they tolerate it. Mm. And look, look how it works there. In the 80s, I don't know, the 80s or the 90s, in Liverpool, they done it. And then the government came in and cancelled it. And the crime went up again. So, the, the proof is there. It does work. But where's the willingness on the politicians have? In the sense have, that, you know? that those drugs are always going to be with us, will always be with us. So, well, therefore, we there, need to... It's there since antiquity. Yeah. Drug abuse is there since antiquity. All right? And it's not leaving us. It's never going to leave us. But How don't you think that people who love their city or want to be able to use their city have a right to say that we won't tolerate this anymore, where it's not safe and I don't well, feel... Why won't they tolerate? What, what, what won't they tolerate? Mm. So will the person who's in addiction and who has been let down by the system, they have to tolerate that. They're doing, what, they're doing the only thing they know and it's surviving. Yeah, but if you but but, uh, but but if if you look at any of the court reports, there's a lot of the time the court reports that involve burglary or theft or assault or whatever is by people who are in the throes of serious addiction. Should the victim okay. then should the victim but, then so, say, so, "Oh, should God no, help them?" Of course, of course not. You come on now. But those people, listen, you've had people on all morning slating the beggars, slating the, the addicts, slating the, the people that take the look of our commas off our streets. I'm coming on to advocate for those people. All right, and those people. I'm not saying the burglaries and the, the assaults and the robberies. That, that's not right. But they're doing that to live. They're doing it to survive. If they didn't have drinking drugs, our suicide rate, we, we already have a su- high suicide rate. Take out the drinking drugs of those people. Don't give them access without the proper support. They're going to go into the river. They're going to take their own lives. It's keeping them alive as well until such time as either they end up in jail or they get help and hopefully they do get help and turn their lives around, which does happen. And if you look... Look at the Tunari's podcast. Look at the people that go on to that. People that have turned their lives around. Mm. Um, a lot of them tell their stories. They were left in corners in schools. In the classroom. Mm. Walk to the corner there, you. Mm. We're not doing anything with you today. Like, imagine being a child sitting in the classroom. And you're told, sit over there. And you're given a colouring book. While everybody else is colouring. Mm. Do you know, like, what's that person going to do? What chance like, have they got? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. chance have they got when it's happening in schools? Well, certainly you'd have, no, you have no confidence anyway to begin with. So, so like, do you know, and this is before the drinker or drug came into that child's mind. Do you know what? Then they find the drinker or drug, and it's like, oh yeah, all the confidence comes, the problems go away, and then it, it continues on to such a state where they're causing crime, they're committing crime, they're caught, they're, they're harming themselves, they're harming others. But like, where was the support? Why, why, why lock them up now? Why didn't you get in there and break the cycle when they were younger? Like the opportunity is there to do that. Mm. What politicians? It's a massive challenge, though. It's a massive challenge. It's a very high mountain to climb. The alternative we've been doing all for I'm 42, and it's 
the same story every week, the papers. There's nothing changing. Nothing changes if nothing changes, Neil. All right, my man. Do something right. different. Cheers, Keith. Appreciate talking to you. you. Lovely chatting with you. Take care. Call again. Yeah. Text 0868 Just a fast one on this side of the break. Damien, good morning. Hey, Neil, how's it going? What's killing the city? Council. Why? So, we have a, we have a business in Marlborough Street there, Metro Man Barbers. Um, we're paying over 10 grand a year in rates. So, we're paying the rates for the full building. Now, there's three floors in the building. We're only allowed to use the ground floor. So we asked if we use the upper floors. No, why? Fire regulation. The fire officer won't let you. So then we offered to put in a fire escape from the top floor, like they have in New York, where the ladder drops down. Yeah. But we were told we can't do that. Why? Planning. So, yes, we still have to pay the full rates for the building. So I've, I've been working. You don't pay full rent on the building, do you? We do. Full rates for the building. Oh, no, that's rates. But do you, you're renting the building. Oh yeah, we pay full rent. So the the landlord or the owner says, no, if you want to put a barber shop on the ground floor, you have to take the whole three floors. Yeah, but there's a mentality in Ireland that the landlords are all even taking everyone's money. Look, the landlords own the building. They've been very reasonable with us. They've lowered the, the rent, actually. But in the city, I've worked in the city for years. In all the upper floors around the city, it's all empty space. Yeah, Why? I know. Because the fire officer won't let people live there. Why? Because you can't put in a, a, a fire escape because of planning. If you look at any major city like... Barcelona, New York, London. People live up above the shops. There's businesses above the shops. Cork, there's no incentive whatsoever to open a business in Cork because the council, no matter what, they're just, you're just a number. Pay the rates, doesn't matter. We can't negotiate with them. There's no incentive to go into the city. Like, of course, we're, we're living week to week in there. We employ about eight or nine people. And we've explained this to the council. Why, why someone inside in the, in the city council can't see the problem here at least even half the rates are allow people to put in the fire escapes themselves. Uh, this would be a perfectly working, efficient fire shoot, is it? Just a ladder. All you need is a ladder that drops down. Like, you don't need a corridor or stairs. When, if there's a fire in the building, you're not going to be looking at the decor, like, you know? So, we've tried. If there's a fire in the building and you're on a high floor, it's the ladder or the chute you'd go to first to get out of a burning building, right? Exactly. But like, we have a city with empty space in the first and second floors all around the town. There's a housing crisis people talk about. People can live there. You know, retail could expand up there. But we're not allowed to do it. So all the council wanted their rates. In fact, they've increased the rates uh, in the last two or three months, I think. So people are wondering about the city and why it's decimated. That's why. There's no other reason. So could it, be, I mean, could it be that a lot of the businesses that left, particularly the smaller ones, left because it was a combination of rent and rates? Of course. Okay. That's the only reason. I mean, there's literally shops closing every week. You know? in, in the city? In the city. So you can see there's, 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 there's reports now every week of shops closing. I mean, Super Value's closing and Merchant's Keys, Edmunds yeah. is gone. There's a lot of other smaller retail shops gone. It's, it's down to rates. I mean, you can't sustain a business in town with that before you even start, with that outgoing. And know? what would you do with the top floors, floor two and three? I would say that you know the first floor and the second floor are both the shop. You could potentially convert them into apartments or into most. You could expand your retail in there. It depends on your business, I suppose. You know, there's so much space up there. It's such a waste. I mean, uh, you know, Flynn's Butchers next door to us closed there uh, last last two weeks, I think. Yeah. They they had loads of space above their place. And as I said, we've we've worked around town for years. We've been up in the upper floors. All empty space. Beautiful, beautiful buildings. High ceilings, big windows. No reason they can't be developed. The only reason being 
city council won't let because, it. Because is it, are they saying that the fire officers are saying that you need two exits in a building where people are above ground floor in the event of a fire, two different ones? Yeah, exactly, but that makes sense. But then when you offer to do it and carry out the works, they, they say you can't because of planning. It's a no-win situation, you know? But yet cities much older than ours with city centre cores as old or older managed to do it. Every other city seems to have it outside of Ireland. I mean, as I said, London, New York, Madrid, Barcelona, they all have upper floors. There's no, there's no space left untouched. Okay. You know? And when, when things increase, do you have to put up your prices then? We haven't, to be honest, we haven't. We, we, look, that's for another day. Like, but I mean, as I said, our, our landlord has been reasonable and lowered the rent a bit. Um, we have a good customer base. Well, it's a struggle, it is. Yeah, right, okay. So, you know? wait, am I out of line asking you what would the price be for a dry cut then, for instance? Uh, if our prices vary from, I think it's 18 euros to about 30 euros. Depends what you're getting. It could be a beard trim and a, a haircut. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. You know? Okay, okay. Um, okay, it's, right. an awful, it's an awful waste of real estate, isn't it, though? Really and truly. Well, it's, uh, someone in the council needs to do something about it. It's bureaucracy in the, in the council, you know. It's just, it's not, it's... And that doesn't seem to be um, an appetite for change. Yeah, but I bet you the fire officers who are refusing are saying, I don't make the laws, pal, I just follow them. It's higher up the food chain than me. Nobody wants to know about us. Problem. But yet Problem the buildings right. just sit there above ground level with nothing in them and we're crying out be, for... Yeah. Wouldn't, most, it be, wouldn't it be great if they were all apartments and people were living Absolutely. and rearing families? Wouldn't and it? would be amazing apartments, you know. It's a great city, it's great buildings there. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Thanks, Damien. Good luck to you and all at Metroman Barbers. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Uh, Paul says, the question you and the rest of your media colleagues should be asking about the Afghan taking a legal case against the state is how did he arrive in Ireland from Afghanistan when there are no direct flights? He came through various countries including France. Is France now so dangerous that people can't seek protection under protection orders there? This government is storing up serious social issues which will erupt not long into the future because the unlimited access to this country can come on as I'm working to pay the tax to fund the ever-increasing social welfare bills, says Paul. Well, that's a reference to an Afghani national who came in earlier this year under an international protection order was given 25 euro and told off you go paddle your own canoe and has been assaulted and robbed and racially, verbally and physically abused on the streets of Dublin and he is taking a high court action now because it infringes on his human rights. Speaking of the rights of workers, um, when JD Sports, I suppose, and other stores check staff um, and uh, search them or whatever, do they ever find any stolen goods? Uh, there's never smoke without fire. Um, surely it's a bullying issue if that happens. It's also a worker's market in the sense that if somebody doesn't like the policies of a, of a shop, they can just go and get a job somewhere else. There's so much work. If JD Sports are that suspicious of their staff, maybe they need to find a better way of recruiting staff. The situation is strange, as if customers are stealing goods, they won't be searched and the blame falls on the innocent staff members. Um, I, I'm not so sure about that. I, I, I don't know what proportion of thieving is being done by members of the public versus members of staff. I mean, there wouldn't be security policies if there wasn't some being done by both. Now, clearly, there's a big thieving problem in the city with regards to punters going in and robbing, because we hear that all of the time. 
this is not a matter to be given up time in the doll, considering all the current issues in the country. Mick Barry is just looking for press. Uh, don't give him my details, but I worked in deals for a few years a while back, and every time we left the shop, we had to have our bags checked by a manager before we were allowed to leave. If the manager was on a break, tough luck, you had to wait. I found it very degrading. You do a day's work and are basically being accused of theft daily every day you leave work. Um, I've been told that if you... Uh, this is difficult to follow for me, but I'll read it because maybe you guys can make more sense of it. I've been told that if you knew someone working in sports shops, you could go into the shop and try it on and not buy it. Then the guy working there would have it that day for him in his bag for himself um, as in I suppose the punter would come in the pal would come in try it on not buy it and then the staff worker would rob it for him um, speaking of jobs my 16 year old daughter um, worked one day a week in a business in Little Island and it was great for her confidence and independence at the start of the new year she was out sick from school bear in she's 16 she was out sick from school on a Friday and she texted work to let them know that she wouldn't be in on Saturday to give them enough notice to get another teenager in to cover the shift. However, she was not allowed to return to work without a doctor's note. She wasn't at the doctor because it was just a bad cold. But with loads of kids there, I wouldn't allow her to go in because she was sick. She wanted to go for her pocket money. But they wanted a doctor's note for one day. She was getting €40 Euro wages for the day. She had to hand in her notice and is now looking for another part-time job because she didn't have a doctor's note. I think it was totally taking advantage of a 16-year-old. Um, if it was an adult, they would have argued with them. Uh, and one final one. My daughter worked in JD Sports. and They treat young people badly. The shifts are long. Uh, oh, sorry, my apologies. I read this one out. This is where they're saying that the staff have to go out after anybody that's been shoplifting. I don't know how true that is. Um, I mean, we contacted JD Sports, but, you know, I told you about the response. Uh, come back to it after 11. Um, text 0868104106. A lot then on the ever-changing face of Cork City and not for the better. Somebody says, I'd go to Mahon Point, Douglas or Bishopstown Court in Wilton. Easier to park. And remember, not only is it easier to park, you don't get hassled to pay for car parking. It's free. Um, don't you think, Neil, I was in the city over the weekend. It's sad and it shocked me. Um, don't you think it should have been a wake-up call when the buildings started to fall down? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good sign of dereliction, right, when the buildings start falling down. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show uh, I'll come back to security issues in the state of the city in a few minutes One of the subjects I mentioned at the top of the programme was the Green Party saying that they don't want any more additional 200 euro um, payments to offset against uh, energy crisis bills and what have you. What is being talked about at the moment, for instance, and this is where it causes even more division in society, and rightly so, for those that are struggling or on welfare payments, help should be given, of course. And they are talking about a double child benefit payment in May, a doubling of all social welfare payments, as well as a once-off payment which would target welfare supports to low-income families. These are all of the measures being discussed by the coalition leaders at the moment to see if people can be helped. But of course, for those that aren't getting payments or aren't making, uh, you know, aren't receiving social welfare help or you know, intervention, it's very difficult for them if you're going out to work and trying to provide and, and feel that, you know, you could get more help. 
And then the Greens come along and they say, well, we actually don't want to give the €200 Euro electricity credit this summer. Well, we don't want to give it to everybody, as in, you know, for people who work for a living, they, w- they wouldn't get it. We want to target those that need it more- most. While there could be some sense in that, it leads to fierce division in society when you hear things like that, doesn't it? Um, on security, and it isn't necessarily, uh, this isn't the first time I've got a text, although it's the first one I've read out from somebody who travels back and forth through Cork Airport, and it has to do with security. I travelled back through Cork Airport again on Tuesday, and once again, people are still getting hassled regarding tobacco and alcohol. My main concern is that a man travelling with a light backpack told them he only had one box. I suppose, of tobacco. Uh, And after they scanned the bag, they said, are you sure you don't have more? You could see it was a light backpack, but she was quick to accuse him of having more, which he didn't. This was awful to watch, and I see it every week, and it's embarrassing, uh, particularly for Cork Airport. This behaviour is unheard of anywhere in the UK or Europe. Can they please stop hassling people for silly things coming into the country and stop wasting taxpayers' money? says John by text to 0868 104 106 and off of me back to the phone lines but do keep your text coming text 0868 104 106 Francis good morning good morning Lee. thanks for holding go ahead what's on your mind right I am regarding the city centre yeah 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 and the homeless yeah okay no I do feel sorry for them but it, here's my point what about elderly people who can't go into the city centre anymore. They're too afraid. So this was my suggestion. Spike Island should be refurbished and every drug addict addict moved there for treatment. Feed them, medicate them, give them help to come off of drugs. It's not. It's not fair on people who would. I'm reading from my text. That's why I'm going to. Yeah, keep going. Uh, you you do know that Spike Island now is a heritage centre, tourist attraction, and has been remodelled. Um, that that's gone. So that the option of Spike Island is not a runner. Maybe you could do something else somewhere else, but not there. I'm, I'm just making well, that point. Okay, somewhere else. <clears throat> It's not fair, Neil, on the people who, lo- who would love to go to the city centre. It's also not fair on the traders, as they're losing customers over this. Now, regarding the guy that was on about trauma, I'm 63 years old, never broke the law, yet I'm being the- denied the right to our city. And in my 63 years, I've had more trauma than the usual amount, I would think. Mm-hmm. And look, all I'm saying is, if he grew up with the trauma, right, and I did, you see what's going on. Is that trauma? So is that trauma as a child? You're saying, is it? No, I, I was an adult. Okay. Okay. Right, but it, just don't repeat it. You know, I mean, there does need to be a centre opened up because. But if you if you were a child in a home that was unhappy, or if you were in a child where there were addiction issues, or you had a parent who had a drink problem, or kids were beaten, or there was roaring or screaming, that's um, that's yeah. My brother was murdered, right? 
by Mark Ellingham. Well, I don't know anything about that now. Just hang on a second. I can't go anywhere that I don't know about in advance if there was a court case or not a court well, you case. you were talking or, about it when it happened. All right, me. okay. No, okay. I, I, yeah. Now, I, it, as a family member, we, I was left to pick up the pieces. We were all left to pick up the pieces. After the murder of your brother. horrific death. Yeah. Right? I had three sisters that died. Right? And it's like um, two of them in the same year and my brother the year after. You just have to get up and get on with it, Neil. Yeah, that's right. You can't do anything about it. Nobody knocks at the door and says, look, come here, I'll take away your problems for you. Do you think that I didn't want somebody to take over completely? And to take away your pain. Here, give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a bad situation just being made worse. You've got to dig deep inside yourself and find the strength to get up every day. But even now, like, I'm kind of saying to myself, Jesus, and like when they're talking about the park, the Peace Park, I call it. Um, wouldn't it be lovely to go in there on a nice day and sit down and just enjoy the day? That's closed to elderly people. We can't go. If if I do go to town, I'm in there a half a state. Right? And I'm back home again by 10 a.m. Where would you, know, you go? Where would you go? Where would to all this need? Where would you There's go? Where would you go? When you, where would you go in the city? My first stop is always deals, right? But you're holding your bag so tightly. My shoulders killing me by the time I get home. Right, but nobody does anybody ever approach you, or is this just a feeling? Oh yeah, this girl um, approached me one day. Now she did have a baby. I'm not going to open my handbag in town. I don't answer my phone in town. The Pope could be ringing me, and I wouldn't answer him, knowing it was the Pope. I don't take my phone out of my bag. Um, this girl was begging one morning. You no, know, she had a baby with her. And all I had on me coming out of deals was two euro. And I gave to her and she said, what am I supposed to do with that? She I said? Said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, well, that's your problem. That's what I have. You and know, what, happen- what happened ne- like, me, what, like what happened next kids. though what happened next I moved so fast Neil because she was a young girl you know and then uh, now while I'm talking right okay maybe she was desperate for something but that's what I had on me two euro okay now um, I wasn't opening my purse not for love no money not even for the Pope anyway then they go and put the vaccine centre up in the top of the North Main Street. Mm-hmm. Right? I had an appointment for Saturday at something like 11.30. Um, went mm. up. Right? No, the walk from the Grand Parade up to the top of the North Main Street. There was gangs everywhere. Also, now, Neil, not just 
um, people who are addicted to drugs, there's the thugs who know that they're underage and they can get away with mm. everything, mm. right? So I went up there anyway and um, got the vaccine, was coming down the North Main Street and this young black guy, and when I say young, he was no more than 12 years old. Not that the colour of his skin should matter, incidentally. No, it doesn't. But it, it, I just want to say it wasn't a white child, you know. It wasn't a Chinese child. It was a young black kid. He seemed to be on his own. But he thought it was great to dance in front of me. Like, I can't confront him. So I stopped, and he stopped, and he kind of laughed into my face. Then I moved on. He came again and did the same thing. I moved on again. He came again and did the same thing. Now it's okay now to say he wasn't a black child. Neither, well, you didn't right? say he was I'm a white. You didn't say he was a white kid, but you did say he was a black kid. And I'm just wondering. Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. I, like I'm 63 years old. I'm not watching my words. I know white kids are just as bad. Yeah. I'm talking to you. Yeah. I'm not going to be watching every word that I'm saying. I know, I know, I know. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And do you think that he was out of it? Like a lot of a lot of these no, characters. Who, no, no, well, no. So, he was sometimes just a saucy brat. No, they could be on. They could be on gas or anything. They could be on ecstasy. Ecstasy. They could be on tabs. I don't then. care, Neil. What he was on, he had no right to do that to me. I didn't give him tell him to take whatever he took, but he didn't look like he had anything on. This is the thing. They know they're underage and they're not going to be prosecuted. There wasn't a guard in sight. Mm. And up on the very top of the North Main Street is where they decided this would be a good place for the vaccine centre. You know? So you don't, you just I'll don't feel you, safe. I wouldn't yeah. get another one up there. Not for love, no money. I'd rather die on my couch from COVID than go up there again. Mm. You know, I, I'm just giving you the... Was your was your brother, Jared Hackett? Yeah. Yeah, Mark Ellingham killed him. I'm not a bit ashamed to say it. He murdered him. Then came back and set his body on fire. Was that back in the early noughties um, with, uh, with an axe? 2002. Ax, with, with an axe, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah, my blood is running cold here. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, and he came back and he set fire to him, his body as well. My brother could hardly be identified. He got life for that, didn't he? He did, he got life. God love him. Sure, he's out years ago, Neil. Is he? No, don't get me wrong. All right. I couldn't okay. fault the guards in Middleton. They were the nicest people ever. You know, they really and truly did everything. My brother was an alcoholic. Right? And he lived in the Simon. Yet, he had no... Um, the guards had never even heard of him. Right? He'd come out home. He'd have something to eat, but he wasn't really eating at the stage. He was about eight stone, I'd say. Um, and the guards said... Actually, the doctor, his own GP, said it would be like hitting a child. Yes, he butchered him mm. you know I mean try living with that Neil the first thing that I said to the guard like I was here on my own when the guard called 
I see her on my own when they called and told me my sister was in the river as well. Oh, my God. Taken out of the river. I watched my other sister die of cancer. And I was the one that found my other sister on the floor after a massive heart attack. You know? So I've had trauma. That's trauma. That's trauma. That's it trauma. It is trauma, yeah. but, it, like, I'm not going out hurting anybody else. Mm. You know, mm. the first question I asked the guard was, was it fast? You know, did, would he have suffered terribly? Because he was a homeless person. I loved him the same as the rest of the family. It's just he couldn't be here because my mother had got a stroke and like two drinks and he would be very drunk. Right, and he could fall on top of her because we were looking after my mother here in this house, you know. But she she had died actually, and so where did he, he go, where did he go? What do you mean? Where was he living? Because sadly, he he was murdered in a derelict building, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he took him down to Middleton. So and where like, where was where was? Where was your brother living? Was he living in the home? Simon. In the Simon. Full time, was yeah, it? Yeah, but he used to come out all the time. Yeah. He'd come home. And how did it get so bad from the drink? Do you know? I don't know. I honestly don't know, Neil. But I tell you one thing. <laughs> Me watching it, I have never touched a drop of alcohol. Well, sorry, I have. Mm. I tasted it from time to time, mm. maybe 12 times in my life. But there was no way that I was going down that road. Yet, I knew my brother had a problem. But he wasn't going around beating up people. The guards had never heard of him. No, I know, I know. You know, he had no criminal record whatsoever. Do Do you think life should be life? You know, if you take a life and you're found guilty of murder... Well, this guilty. fella had the cheek to say that he well, didn't do it. I know, but I, won't, I won't revisit all of the details of the court case because I don't have them no, all in front of me. No, but he did phone me to apologise for doing it. Okay, but, but he, having... He got our house number off. Okay, all right. Well, that's other, that's personal. Know. That's personal to you. Did you accept that apology, incidentally? You don't even want to know what it's okay, on the phone. Okay, okay. And I just warned the friend, don't ever, ever give out our phone number. Okay. You know, because he'd been a very good friend of... Okay, uh, all right, okay. All right, let's let's not get into that, but uh, I just asked you, do you think that life should mean life? Yes. If you take a life, you give your own. As in, never come out of jail again? No. Okay, okay. As in, hang. Well, that's... No, seriously, Neil, I'm... uh, Honest to God, I'll never forget this. Right, I've been listening to you for years and years and years. This one story sticks with me that I heard on your radio. An elderly lady in her 80s, I think, was in bed one night and somebody broke into her house. It turned out he was on, he was on alcohol and he was on drugs. And he robbed her. You'll remember it now when I tell you what happened to her. And she said to you, I was so embarrassed because then he raped me. And I didn't, you know, at her age, she didn't. She was embarrassed because he raped her. 
right? And within a week, you reported she'd gone into a nursing home. Mm, I do remember. God, I remember no, one, one of those stories. No, in all fairness, Neil, Jesus Christ, if that was my over, mother, no, there I would gone break and, the law. Yeah. If, if that was my mother, honest to God. But you're, who are we to law. judge anybody in our ivory towers when crimes like happened to your family haven't visited us? You're entitled to feel that like, way. Yeah, that young fellow's saying trauma in his life. I'd write I could have started taking drugs to forget what happened. Stephen, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, while all this was going on, my sister at 40... Jared, I should say, my apologies. My sister at 39 years old had been diagnosed with cancer. And she died in... August 2001. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Did you three know? young children behind. Yeah. Um, my other sister probably couldn't cope with the trauma of it all. When you she say your sister took her... Yeah, Miss Fortune. She took... As a, as a consequence of what do you think the, the reason why she couldn't go on? Your I brother? I don't know because my sister... The other sister with the cancer wasn't getting good news and like we were all focused on her. You know, as sisters, we were out there helping her with her family and because her kids were young. I honestly need, I don't know, but I do know the night on the Sunday night, like, I don't know what time she went into the river, but she, the guards were here on the Monday morning at eight o'clock. Again, I opened the door. No, I live alone now, so I know they're not going to call to me ever again, okay? Yeah. Because the two times that they called was over terrible circumstances. But I do know on the Sunday night she had said she was going to do it to somebody, some lovely man, really lovely man, who I'm not going to name. Mm. Um, And he'd followed her and saw her going into the river. He rang the guards who brought her up to CUH. The guards didn't sign her in. CUH didn't sign her in. She ran away and went back and did it. Why wasn't she kept? Nobody signed her in. You would need to be signed in. And this now was in 2001, February the 5th. Even though you'd be a danger to yourself, you you yeah. wouldn't. You somebody needs to sign you in for help in the case of where well, you've just been. Well, the guards brought her there. You think they'd have signed her in? You know. <sighs> and where was I at the time? I was out in my sister's house. I practically lived there until, the, and I never forget her face when she heard that the other sister had committed suicide. Yeah. Sorry, Never sorry. forget it as long as I do. You've had trauma, all right, that's for sure. Without a doubt, yeah, you have. But, and, yeah. and like, all right. Getting out of the house, going in town, Neil, that should be my right, you know? And I hope if there's anybody listening to me today, really, you know, like the elderly people will say to me on the bus, you know, coming back early. I'll go in early so that I won't see those people. They might not come on the radio, so Neil, I'm talking for them as well. Thank you. Thank you. You probably are, Francis. Look after yourself. Listen, do I look will. after yourself. Stay in touch, okay. all right? Okay. Bye. Don't be a stranger. Take care. Um, Bye.
It's very sad. Uh, I really, tr- I do remember that case now that I've had an opportunity to check it out, um, Jared Hackett. If you need help, um, there are help lines available, certainly if you are disturbed by any of the conversations that we've just had, uh, particularly the number for the Samaritans on 116123. The Samaritans on 116123. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. Uh, here's uh, the 40 spots that was uh, listed recently online. I think it was again another Cork Bill story. Debenham, Zargos. These are all closed. Debenham, Zargos, Carphone Warehouse, Gap, Topshop, Oasis, Unida, Lifestyle Sports, and Balancholic and Blackpool, Porters, Supervalue and Merchants Key, Bills and Farnry, Finn's Corner, O'Connell's, Bresnan's, Tim O'Sullivan's, All in the Market, O'Flynn's Butchers, El Dor. Uh, Artisan Bakery, Cross Bakery, um, Cupcake Cottages, Bracken's Bakery, Sliced uh, Preachers, Wow Burger, Queen of Rebels, Captain America's, uh, Rice Chinese, The Silly Goose, Ziggy's, Larry Tompkins. Some of these have reopened, like Larry Tompkins was uh, was just bought and reopened again. Feed Your Senses, Grand Central, Ali's Kitchen, Tiki Poke, uh, Poker Bowls, I suppose that would be, The Fishwife, uh, Tandoori Nights, Idaho Cafe, the Bridge, Drake's Bistro, Vegan KO, West Cork Burger, Shack Donuts, Gloria Jeans, Domino's uh, on Washington Street. Uh, that's uh, 40 spots in and around Cork City that have closed since the pandemic began in March of 2020. Uh, the city centre uh, at one time was very warm and charming place to be, but it's lost all of that sense now. I could have started one part of the city centre to the other for you, if you wish, says Pat. Any time, pal, come on the air and do it. Uh, what kind of heartless people have you have on the air? One woman 30 minutes ago wanted to clear Patrick Street like as if it was full of rubbish. First and, firstly, she had a blatant lack of understanding of how the homeless crisis and her lack of empathy was harrowing. Patrick Street is suffering due to derelict buildings and you only see quilts, etc. Uh, outside Debenhams. You can't miss the drunks and the drug users throughout the city centre, but I fear this ties in with one thing, homelessness. People can only avail of shelters at night, so they turn to drink to get through the day. It's sad to see any time I walk, but someone... Uh, but um, uh, it's sad to see any time I walk by someone who is out of it in our city. Um, and then I got a photograph sent to the end of Shandon Street, the dereliction of the properties there, and they're saying it's been like this for years. These properties should be seized and made into apartments now. It's a disgrace that buildings are left to go to rack and ruin like these. And these ones, there's the ground floor and three floors above them. Um, and they would be fabulous if they were renovated and refurbished. They would, no, no question about it. Uh, to WhatsApp, to Bobby Bullman, who uh, is actually based in the UK, but from Cork and comes back and forth. Bobby, good morning. Uh, good morning, how are you? I'm good. Um, so were you around the, the city streets when you were home? Yeah, I, look, when I get come home, there's nothing more than love to do than walk down Fair Hill, down Shannon Street, North Main Street, into Patrick Street. And it is a worry. It has changed since the, since the 90s. You know, you have your derelict buildings. For me, as landlords that are land banking these buildings. They won't put the money into them buildings now to get them up to a standard that can now be rented out to shop owners or shopkeepers or just normal day-to-day residents or to be able to put, you know, genuine homeless people in them because they're they're old buildings too expensive to renovate best thing to do land bank them to the point where they're actually to the, they would need demolition and that land is probably worth more to them than the building is now 
But they, but they say they say you couldn't. Somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, you couldn't give property away in the city now if you were trying to sell it. The market is completely oh, no. flatlined. No, 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 not in not in Cork. You, but, so you know, I I read a lot of things online, Neil, and you hear about the Chinese and the the the, the Arabs who are looking to invest down in the ports. You look down towards the ports, the investment's unbelievable. Ah, yeah, but they're new builds, a massive regenerator. Of course they are new builds. But I'm talking about the buildings that we see inside in town, like, that nobody would buy them. Like, they're worthless now. There's just way too much. They're they're worthless. Of course they're worthless as they are because nobody has put money into them. No, they are worthless as they are, and that is the worry, is that you have landlords that will hold on to them until they're at the point where the only thing to do with them is demolish them. And what you're losing is some unique buildings that have been in that city for years, the old diesel building at the end of North Main Street. You know, I remember that when it was when it was diesel, great little shop. And you look at it now, how it stands, well, it's been propped. Propped, yeah. Because, you, yeah. Know, you know, it's rotten. You know, and, you know, other than greedy landlords, you know, in regards to the homeless situation, you have a Taoiseach who, you know, stands in front of news cameras and he questions the percentage use of food banks in Ireland. You know, that's, that's a man that hasn't got a foggy clue in regards to you know, the situation as it is in Ireland. At what and point are you making, what, what was he saying regarding food banks that concerned you? He was, he was questioning the people, it was put to him in regards to the percentage of Irish people using food banks or people in Ireland using He believed that the figure wasn't as high as he, he disputed as, Barnardo's not, not, who were saying that one in ten parents yeah. has used food banks. He disputed that stat. He disputed that. Yeah. And, and he did, and he couldn't back up how, you know, why he dis- disputed. Listen, well, he, 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 I think he said, he said, was it based on any kind of scientific research or something like that? He, he just, he battered it away. He did batter it away and, and it's wrong of him to do so. I live in the UK and I, and I, I drive through villages which are affluent villages and there's people queuing at local churches to, 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 to pick up food. And you look at them and you think, my God, what is going on? So it's not a, an issue that's unique to... No, to I mean, you, you, it's, it's, you, around it's the world. absolutely probably even worse there in the UK. There's absolutely. more. Firstly, there's more people. Certainly by vertige of population, you have more crime. But you've got a serious problem with, say, for instance, knife crime and what have you, which is ever growing here as well. Um, but, but I'm curious as to what you see when you come to what come to Cork. I mean, it's all very well I, I to look at the 90s, but there, that's confined to history now. It is confined to history, but again, you know, we're 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 a country that should never forget its history, and we should always um, keep on talking about it. And when you see historical buildings and the way things used to be in the city. It doesn't mean to say they should be left to rack and ruin. No way, never in a month of Sundays. And on the situation with, with the homelessness and beggars in, in Cork, there is two types of beggars. There is the professional beggar that gets dropped off in the town. And unfortunately, we're a race of people who don't see that. A lot of people don't see that they are professional beggars and they, that's what they're there to do. And you see the, the real, genuine homeless people. And I will be controversial and say Irish homeless people in the town that that do sleep in, in, in the shop fronts outside the doors because they're not like the professional home, um, uh, the professional beggars who have a home to go to because probably the state are providing that home for well, them. Well, I was talking but some months don't... back with somebody who the, the van load of them were dropped off on the South Mall and they all dispersed yeah. to their own patches, to their own... 
their own pitch and but begged me, for the day and, and then that, were picked up in a van again in the afternoon. I mean, that would break your heart, it. that kind of stuff. It, it, it is, but it's wrong. And when you do see genuine homelessness in Cork and you see some, look, I, and again, controversial, but when I walk down Fair Hill and I see the old North Monastery, well, it's not the old North Monastery, they did what used to be the houses that they, the Christian brothers used to use, being used for people, you know, and again, they're, 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 they're in the country because there's a crisis in their own country. They do need help and we should extend that hand of help. But where's that hand of help to our own homes? I think they're Ukrainian war refugees, though, are they? Yeah, they, they, they are. And that's what I'm saying. Look, I don't, they, they, they do, you know, they do need somewhere to go to. They do need help. I know I'm jumping about, but in all fairness, that's, why? Oh, I think what annoys, I think you're not alone there. What really annoys people isn't the issue of war or refugees coming here who need help. It's the fact that there was a will and a way to help when it was never a will and a way before war, when Irish people were struggling with somewhere to afford to be able to live. There was no Absolutely. joined up thinking then, you know. There seems to be chaotic thinking now. I, I know that. But th- there was no kind of emergency before. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and they found the money to help these people, and that's the right thing to do. Maybe it's European money, I don't know, but you know, I'm sorry, but the citizens of Cork, the Irish citizens of Cork, are still European people that need help, and they should be helped. And if, and in all fairness, I remember, yeah, I go to New York every year, and New York used to be ravaged with homeless, but there was a big campaign to help the homeless of Manhattan. They took them to the suburbs, they housed them took the homeless off the city. New York became probably one of the unsafest cities in the world, one of the safest cities in the world. You could walk down, they're not a problem. Now, unfortunately, during COVID, they did start making their way. That's right. No, I know that. It's reasonably safe. I mean, there are areas that are still no-go, but the greater area within the track of tourism and that is is, is safe. There's police everywhere. Okay, and are you the Bobby Bullman that's involved in music? Oh, no, 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 uh, no, probably the family are, but not myself. Oh, because, right, okay, but other, other members of the family. Are. So what do you yes, do, what oh, do you yeah, do yeah. in the UK? Uh, I'm a national civils manager for a civil engineering company here in the UK. We mainly deal with um, the aviation side, airports and, 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 and MOD bases. And that's been, the, that's been home for a long, long time for you, has it? That's been home for me since 1998. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Since 1998. And it does, it, look, Neil, it, it kills me when I go back and I do see the way the city is gone. Um, and one, it probably, a lot of people probably disagree. And, you know, it's since, <laughs> I no, don't, I'm a non-smoker. Since the, the smoking man came in, pub started closing, that town started to die. The because the people weren't going anywhere near the pubs, stopped going, and and that's I think that's just one of the the kind of catalyst to that town going the way it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think there was a lot of things that actually would the death knell for many pubs. Smoking ban was one of the earliest ones, for sure it was. Mm. Oh, yeah. The changes yeah. in drink driving legislation for it to be completely intolerant now of drink driving yeah. was another one. There was, there was far too many pubs in the first place in many rural towns and villages. Like, there really was. Mm-hmm. So you can understand oh, why. absolutely. And then people's, people's, people's recreational patterns or habits changed as well. You know, you'll be you'll be as easy you'll be as likely to see a guy or a girl in their twenties now on a Friday at half past five with the gym bag heading to the gym. Whereas back in the day at half past five on a Friday, we headed to the pub, and a lot of the time we didn't fall out of it till midnight. So you know, this, this things change. Oh, 
They do, they do, absolutely. They, look, my daughter's 19, and a night out to her, you know, when my, she does travel a bit, but they meet up at Starbucks, you know? So things have changed. They have changed. That's granted. Yeah. But, you know, going back to, you know, until the government actually say to these landlords, use it or lose it with their derelict buildings, I don't see things changing in, 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 in Cork. And until the genuine homeless of Cork are helped, you, you know, it, it, it will only get worse. This cost of living crisis is going nowhere. Bills are still going to keep on going up. People are going to start losing their houses, you know, okay. worse than they ever have before, and it'll only make matters worse. I'd still, pre- I'd still prefer to be here than where you are, though, because it's an absolute basket case, the UK since Brexit. I just... Oh, stop. I mean, it was, you know, regardless of the problem we have, you've got even bigger ones. I genuinely sometimes, with the way it's gone, I hate speaking to people on the phone. I hate asking questions because they, the kind of level of intolerance of anything that is not, um, unfortunately, English has really come back. Mr. Farage and his merry men have made living quite uncomfortable in the last few years. I would be at 100%. Oh, I know. I was just looking at it. I understand that point of view. But I'm saying economically, like, it's just you're really this. As time goes on, there's less and less people internationally will be doing business with the UK because of Brexit. It's a nightmare. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Look, like exports got to be prices. decimated. In, 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 in our industry, we've raised prices by between 15 to 30%. And you go to clients and you tell them, you give them the reason of Brexit or whatever, and they, they won't have it. No. They won't have it. They'll go elsewhere. You know, it, it is, it, it, it's very hard to, 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 to make a living. All right. Mind 100%. yourself, Bobby. Nice chatting to you. And Take you care, know. pal. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Back Bye. after a quick Bye. break, so hold on. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Uh, angry texter. Disgusting in this day and age that we have to listen to close-minded people's opinions on something they know nothing about or haven't been bothered to educate themselves. Be great if you came on air. I'm happy to read the text, though. Not all young people are homeless are the same and shouldn't you shouldn't tarnish all with the one brush. If your callers knew anything, uh, you can die of an alcohol withdrawal, not a drug withdrawal. Um, okay. Uh, we never know what people have seen or gone through. Uh, your caller, particularly one woman recently on the air, would want to get a security guard for herself if she's that scared of her life. We're in Cork, not Detroit. Sorry for getting angry, but people need to get a grip. Yeah, that may be the case, but they're also entitled to um, they're also entitled to uh, have an opinion as to how safe they feel in our cities, regardless of the struggles that other people go through. Um, anyway, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Kevin, good morning. Good morning. Okay, you could be the la- may well be the last caller this morning. So, uh, your thoughts? Well, I was reacting to the the PC you had about the condition of the city centre and um, the way it's gone the last while and uh, my comment was basically that it's um, the whole it has deteriorated so much particularly the area around North Main Street um, I think Barrick Street's become, another area I'm seeing a lot of texts are critical about Barrick Street yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose I had experience recently in North Main Street where I parked in the car park in the multi-story in, in North Main Street and uh, went to go down the stairs and next thing there was two people who were uh, appeared to be shooting up in, in the in a corner of the of the stairwell. Yeah, you and me, and, brother, had the same experience walking around the guy on the stairs going in the uh, going back up to my car in the Grand Parade Q Park. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Like 
it's it's just a general malaise that just appears to be that the the city just appears to be getting less and you feel less and less safe. I feel less and less safe. Yeah, I but there's a lot of text this morning talking. I mean, look at it through the prism of the addict. Look at it through the eyes of the person who is in need of rehab and help. Yeah, and that's a valid point. But the the problem is that if if people are in in that situation in in public areas like car parks, um, you know, you don't know whether that person uh, what they'll do if they're if things go wrong for them and so on. And I just think that it's the the deterioration of the city centre has actually made that situation worse because if you walk down North Main Street, you know the dereliction is just terrible. Like I had reason, I was going into the car park visiting someone in the Mercy Hospital and that whole general area has just turned into a nightmare situation like I'd hate to be there at night this was during the day Yeah but if all of those businesses and all those buildings were full and occupied with retail on the ground floor and people living above the shops and lovely apartments and flats and bedsits and everything wouldn't it be a much more healthy place to be? Completely and I think It's the dereliction really leads to um, issues where you get a texter saying it's a wash with drugs and filth and needles because that, that goes hand in hand of course with dereliction or not using areas doesn't it? That will attract It does yeah. I think, I think it's, it's part and parcel of the problem that you, you've got when you, when you go to visit somewhere and you, you come across broken down buildings no one living in, in places and, and boarded up and appearing to be falling down and so on one thing creates another and it makes it more difficult for the person next door who's trying to run something and then they close and then next door closes and then the next one and you end up like the city centres in in the US in particular you know what I mean that they're like if you went to had misfortune one time to be in Miami in downtown Miami and uh, took a wrong turn and went down the wrong way and that's unfortunate where Cork is going. It's heading at the moment. It's it's heading into a situation where the the dereliction is becoming so widespread. There doesn't appear to be any anyone in the council, uh, city council, that's actually doing. But they don't own the, they don't people. own the derelict buildings, you know. Well, they have the powers to intervene. I think that's its intervention is the is the, is the issue. I think there's an unwillingness to to intervene where there, where there are derelict buildings like some of the some of the buildings that are there for 15 20 years at this stage but they're spreading the one one goes down and next thing there's one next door and the one next door and the one next door and so on like you there there is a need for the council to get involved and actually declare an emergency about the, the whole way that the system is actually deteriorating mm. and mm. actually do something about it mm. you know they have the powers they have the derelict site tax they have the various Thing to do to do things, um, but it's too much trouble for them. They can, it's nice and easy to to get a greenfield site somewhere and build on the greenfield site rather than actually uh, deal with. The, Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if centers? all of the buildings? This was mentioned by Metro Barbers there earlier on this morning. They have the ground floor. They have two floors above them. Um, would love to renovate the building on those two floors and maybe put in some bespoke apartments or places where people could live. And they get knocked back because there's not a fire exit. And they say, okay, well, we'll put one in, one of the drop-down ones outside the building, which seem to be acceptable a lot of places around the world. And they're still knocked back again. So what happens? 
the first floor, second floor, or in the case of the bottom of Shandon Street, three floors just remain unoccupied. Yeah. And all of Patrick okay. Street, like, has numerous, there would just be small little businesses, little tailors there and seamstresses and little accountancy shops and loads of businesses on the upper floor. They're all gone. Yeah. I think it would be a way nicer city, you know, if you had people living in the upstairs and over the shops in many places. Um, I grew up on the side of the street myself uh, over a shop, so I completely empathise with what you're saying. Yeah. So, in other words, I think the 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 way city councils, um, it's not just in Cork, but it is more pronounced in Cork, that they're, they're dealing with this situation is that they're just covering their, their eyes and, as you say, it could be regulation. There's, probably, there's a multitude of reasons why right. it might be. Yeah. But they, and there's a, there's a need to actually literally go in and, and be serious, put in, put in, take it over as an emergency situation and deal with it. But they, they don't do that. They just close their eyes and hope that someone that will go away. That well, they're going to have to do it because if, they, if they don't do it, the city will die really well and it needs people to but breathe it, life back into it. Yeah. The worst thing things to be is that they ever thought about that event centre down in the South Main Street because it, it looks like they've left everything sit there waiting for for that to happen. When it hasn't happened, all of a sudden it's everything else is just sitting there waiting and waiting and that uh, whoever owns the buildings, it just it appears to be not interested in doing anything until they're sure what's going to happen in the okay. whole area. Okay. So okay. everything gets delayed and, and gets worse and yeah. worse. Yeah, well, you have, thank you for that. Appreciate it, Kevin. You have the North Main Street feeding into the South Main Street, of course, and similar issues there. Uh, we'll come back to it in the morning. So continue with your texts, emails, and calls. Do get in touch. Uh, I'm out of time for now. There's a lot of them that I didn't touch, but I will come back to them in the morning, albeit Friday and all of that. But can I just mention we have uh, two tickets, two pairs of tickets to give away for Lords of Strut uh, at the Everyman. So uh, they are playing the Everyman on Sunday the 19th of February. This is at the 4 o'clock performance Kian Kinsella and Cormac Mohalli. They're Cork lads. They do fantastic acrobatic work and dance and circus acts and stuff like that. I was watching some of the things they did online. They can do, they're really serious dancers. In fact, they featured on uh, Britain's Got Talent. So the show is running for two days, Saturday the 18th and Sunday the 19th. And tickets for both shows can be purchased at the Everyman or indeed online, everyman.com so our lines are open now they really are great performers they're visual they're very much visual I wouldn't be able to do credit to them uh, with words but you can see them online yourself on YouTube and what have you or indeed you can win tickets lines are open now pick up the phone 0818104106 have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts